This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Um, I'm sitting here laughing already with this fine gentleman, Antoine Taylor. Antoine is a screenwriter, a film producer, and a writer. How you doing, Antoine? I'm pretty good, man. In a frenzy a bit, you know, but I'm pulling it together. Hey, man, as usual, and I say as usual, there are technical issues with my podcast. If it's not me, it's my guest. It's, you know, all this stuff with Zoom and and, uh, video chat and all that stuff. You would think people would have that together after all these months sitting at home with Corona and having to do everything on on video chat. But, hey, I guess not. Yeah, right. It keeps things it keeps things exciting. <laughs> exactly. Um, how did you get to be these three things? Uh, film producer, screenwriter, and writer. How how did you get into this? Um, just kind of. Is it something you've always wanted to do since you were a child, or? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and. As a child, you know, I kind of went back and forth between uh, a wrestler or a ninja. <laughs> it was kind of hard, kind of, you know, I was, so I was trying to find ways to incorporate the two. It just wasn't working out at all. I can see the uh, challenges in becoming a ninja. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of my friends used to call me a ninja in boots. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I was an engineer doing flips off of the uh, the nearby school, elementary school. Oh, fortunately, man. fortunately, you know, yeah, me and one other guy. Fortunately, we uh, neither one of us got hurt because there was no one else there to call the ambulance or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I don't know if there's too many uh, quadriplegic ninjas out there. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so you never. So this isn't a. This is not a lifelong uh, dream that you've had to get into the film business. Uh, let, let Let me back up a little bit. Um, you You are a writer. What have you written? What kind of writing do you do? Uh, started as a uh, a novel. That was the first thing I wrote. Um. But the idea of that came from a short story I wrote in high school. Okay, yeah. Um, this story, I think we had maybe 30 minutes to come up with maybe a two or three page story. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't really think nothing of it. I just wanted to hurry up and get out of class. <laughs> so I quickly thought of, uh, I love tigers. So yeah. uh, I'm like, home, oh, black tiger. Uh, so there we go. Start writing. I was done. Can I go down? <laughs> you know, uh, going out the door. And the next day when I come to class, she uh, actually, to be honest with you, I didn't hear anything else about it. A couple of days had passed, and I was out in the hallways getting into mischief with a couple of friends, and uh, I got sent to the principal's office. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And that guy, you didn't want to deal with him. Man. He was notorious for uh, doing some things that most principals aren't you, you don't hear about principals doing this type of okay things. so this guy was old school this guy was old yeah, school yeah he'll jack you up real quick <laughs> and then tell you to go get your mother your dad it didn't matter and the guys <sighs> that went to school with me listening to this they can vouch to that I'm they sure know, they, they know the story <laughs> yeah yeah um 
Well, anyway, I was sent to his office and uh, he got to talking to me and he asked me what I want to do in my life. Yeah. I said, uh, stay out of trouble. He said, well, you start, you have a bad start. He said, uh, well, let me get uh, straight to the point because I don't have time to play around with you. Right. So he slapped down a copy of my story. He said, is this what you want to do? I said, what is that? He says, the story you wrote, boy, don't you recognize your own words? I said, well, I can't see that part. <laughs> I'll, try to, I'll try my best to be kind of smart back with him. Right. But at the same time, like, kind of limited because, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to be jacked up somewhere in this guy's office. No, no. With no witnesses. <laughs> but um, anyway, he got to tell me that uh, he see potential. Uh-huh. Um, just from, he never knew me, never heard of me any or anything. I stayed out of trouble for yeah. the most part. But, yeah. Um, but he so saw he, something you know, he in saw, your writing. Right. Yeah. Um, which shocked me. I didn't really see anything. You know, it was just a story. Can I please go type of thing? Yeah. You just wanted to get out of class. Yeah. 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 And, and not to mention, I wasn't fond of writing in the first place. Okay. Okay. Um, so he told me that uh, if I would take my craft seriously, that he had some, he knew some guys, some college scholars or something like that. Uh-huh. He said uh, that he would talk to them for me. Wow. And seriously consider getting me a scholarship if I would straighten up and quit hanging around with the knuckleheads, as he called them. Yeah. Um, he said that, you know, he told me if I help myself. I said, okay, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Seriously, you went in one ear and out the other. Okay. I was going to ask you, did you really appreciate it at the time? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me ask you, how old were you? What grade was this? This was ninth grade. This was ninth was grade. 15, okay. 14, 15. Okay. So you didn't really take him seriously at the time? No. No. Okay. Uh, during that time, you kind of... At that age, you kind of you think you know what's best for you. And 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 uh, if I remember the way I was at that age, it was very hard for me to ever believe that any adult outside of my family that any adult wanted me to succeed at anything. So getting those kind of compliments is not always that easy for certain children to take. Mm. You know, compliments like that will just bounce off, or as you say, in one ear and out the other, and you don't really, you don't really do anything with that feedback at the time. Does that sound about right? What you were, the way you experienced it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit to the time when you did begin to take things like that seriously. When you did begin to realize that you had a talent for writing. When was that? When did that happen? And what what happened that made you open your eyes to 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 the fact that you do have a talent for writing? Uh, well, I guess being that this uh, interview, it won't be edited, and it's all about <laughs> being <laughs> straightforward and real yeah. with people, so yeah. people know exactly who I am. Yeah, this is a conversation. You and I are getting to know each other, and I'm sure you're going to throw some questions at me, and let's just pretend the audience is sitting around the corner or, you know, in a darkened auditorium, and you and I are just sitting across the table talking. Right. Not to mention this is, uh, you know, 
speaking of being real and straightforward about things, this is a little uh, pressure considering it's my very first interview and it happens to be um, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> know, uh, yeah, and and we talked we talked about that. I, I can see you're a little bit nervous, but um, but really, just um, just look at it as a conversation. Of course, you know, there could potentially be thousands or tens of thousands of people who who hear this, and yeah, there's a little bit of pressure in that. But uh, no, I, I tell I tell everybody, you know, walk into these podcast episodes with me as. Well, first of all, you know, I, I, I make it very clear that people are my guest. I brought them in as a guest, and, and this podcast is my home. And anybody that comes into my home, I want them to feel as relaxed as possible. And, and I, brought, I brought you in because I, I, I see something in you that inspires me. Uh, eventually, we're going to get to what it is about you that inspires me, but you and I have a lot in common, and that's going to be revealed in the course of of this conversation so hey man you know chill chill out it, it's it's uh, it's this make this as relaxed for yourself as possible yeah. got you yeah um you know i'm wondering guys i'm always uh preaching something about uh adapting yes uh yeah so this is a prime example right here so i'm sure i'll i'll uh what was the first time? I'll first, make <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and there's a first time for everything, and uh, you know, I, I'm proud. I'm honored that that this is that my podcast is the first podcast that you've been on. That's an honor for me. So, uh, so already right there, you're giving me you're giving me something that's lifting me further. So, so thank you for that. Awesome, man. No problem. Yeah. yeah. So, so you you um you were told at a young age that. You had a talent for writing. You didn't really realize it, but eventually something must have happened or you must have come to some realization that you are a good writer. Can you tell me about that? What is it that made you realize that you had this talent? Okay. Uh, well, which is the reason why I said what I said initially about the whole, you know, just being real with people because yeah. there were certain things I didn't want people to know about me. Right. But uh I realize there's only but so much I'm gonna uh, reveal anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um uh, so that being said, unfortunately uh got into some trouble when I was younger, like a lot of kids do. Yeah. And um that that one significant moment that kind of gave me that time to sit back and think about who am I really, you know, who, yeah. what I want to be. Um, I was, you know, I got into some trouble when I was 21, 22, uh -huh. ended up going to prison at 22. Um, you know, like I said, it's easy to get in trouble. It's hard to get out of it. It's very hard to get out. But the good thing is, is that when you're out of trouble, you're out of trouble. You know, right. there is a finality to that. You know, when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. But when you're out, you're out, and it's time for a new start. That's the way I look at it. Right. Anyway. Yeah. And and you have options when you're in there. You can either choose to let that negative experience break you down, or keep you stagnant, or you can find some way to turn it into a positive experience. You know, not let this situation that I'm so uncomfortable in destroy me. Right. So I adapt and decide to instead of 
letting it be a, a permanent black mark or yeah. a black cloud hanging over my life for you know, hanging over my head the rest of my life. I decided that it was going to be the start of a new journey for me, so to speak. And I can say this. Now, I didn't know about that part of your life, uh, that you are uh, a man who was incarcerated at one time. I didn't know that about you. Um, but I can say this. Uh, having, having been told about you by our mutual friend and having spoken with you for just these few minutes and also knowing the accomplishments that you've had, uh, now I'm even more inspired because you are a man who obviously, uh, at least to a certain degree, has found a way to overcome adversity. I personally couldn't imagine... Um, something that is more of a burden, something that is a bigger uh, uh, piece of adversity than being incarcerated and then coming out and then having to pretty much start everything all over as far as, you know, marching towards some sort of success, you know, some sort of remaking of your path through life. So just that we're sitting here today and, and talking, you know, eventually we're going to talk about your, your film, your film work and your writing and everything. But to be sitting here talking about that is a testament to your success. So I, I have to say that that's that's inspiring. Again, I knew I knew there was I already knew there was something about you that was inspiring. And now I found out that there's even more about you. That's that's inspiring. I appreciate that, man. Um, that's real talk, brother. That's that's real talk right there. And actually, you know, I think that is pretty much the theme of this interview. Yeah. Um, if my story can inspire at least one person out of millions, that's a step in the right direction. And, and, and there you go. And and that that is the theme, not just of this podcast episode, but my entire podcast is that I want to leave something on the table that first inspires me. I'm a little bit selfish. I want to be inspired first. <laughs> and then I hope that the people who are listening are also inspired. So see, there's a reason, there's a reason why I had you. I already knew part of your story, but again, now that I find out this about you, I know, I know <laughs> there's, there's, there's so much more about you that, that that's going to inspire me and will probably inspire my listeners as well. And that's the, uh, I believe sometimes when I tell people, you know, it's just a lot going on right now. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to actually, because sometimes people think that you're, uh, oh, you don't, you ain't got nothing going on, or it's not that serious, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trust me. It's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, they say it's the, it's the, journey that makes you appreciate the destination that much more. Oh, ab absolutely. And and I never wish a difficult journey on myself or anyone else, but I do appreciate a difficult journey because, you know, the rockier the road, the stronger you got to be to get through it. Right. So there is something to that, you know, um, uh, and that's not to say that people who have a lot of fortune in their lives and, and, and fewer challenges and some of us, that's not to say that they don't deserve their success, but a person who has had to struggle uh, more than the average person, uh, you know, they build up a certain kind of strength that brings about a certain type of success that people who don't have it to makes, strive so much experience, you know? Right. And it makes you appreciate yeah. what you have more. I think it brings a certain amount of um, uh, empathy uh, to
to a person. You know, uh, people who have struggled generally have more empathy. They're 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 in general a kinder person. They're a kinder spirit than people who just float through life and maybe get a little bit arrogant, maybe don't appreciate things as much. So the 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 people who who are who have gone through real struggle and 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 regardless of of that struggle, have been able to find success. Those are the people that I tend to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you haven't been handed anything. Not obviously, exactly. Um, I would guess you've I had mean, to work hard to get where you are now. Yeah, um, understood. What when I decided to? When I decided to? for lack of a better word, lock in on what I really wanted out of out of life. Uh, I knew that there was going to be, uh, whatever profession it is, it's not going to be easy at all. No, um, no. So I was already mentally preparing myself for the challenges that's going to come. You're talking about when you were incarcerated, you were already focusing on what kind of a life you're going to live when you got out. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah. Right. Now, can I ask you how many how many years were you incarcerated? Uh, at that point, to be honest with you, man, I've done a total of, <coughs> and this is bad. This is sad. Uh, maybe eight years in all is okay. what I got for that initial crime I've done. Okay. It wasn't nothing, anything, you know, no uh, heinous crimes or anything no. like that. No. Um, but. It was enough to. It was a bittersweet situation, man. When it happened, you know, I'm, I'm locked up for the first time in prison, and I'm laying there, uh, and I'm thinking about: Is this where I'm going to be the rest of my life? Coming in and out of here. Uh, my brother, he's actually, you know, I, I grew up with a, a very just a unique family. <laughs> and it was a mixture of, you know, uh, Louisiana swag and the okay. uh, and the uh, New York kind of, you know. Oh, man, that's a, that's a crazy yeah. mix. Louisiana yeah. and New York, man. That's, <laughs> that's a crazy mix. But you, you live in Virginia um, now, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, so they, I grew up with my, my great aunt and well, like I said, she's no, she's a Creole woman and there was her kids, my cousins, Poindexter and uh, Pookie. And, but they were my brother and sister. Yeah. And my baby, she was my second mom naturally. Uh-huh. Uh, so one thing I can say for my brother even though he chose a different path, it's what he, that's his choice. Yeah, of but course. he did make sure that he told me to never follow in his footsteps. Okay, okay. Uh, that stuck with me. He only had to say it once. Because uh, I remember hearing a whole lot of stories about him, and I, you know, <laughs> I, that's, that's you. Um. That being said, so I'm laying in my bunk in prison, and I'm thinking about all of this. Yeah. I'm like, well, it seems like I'm doing what he told me not to do. Now, how long had you been in prison at that time? 
Uh, I was in jail actually for around eight to nine months before they actually shipped me off to okay. prison. Okay. Yeah. But it was in jail actually, where uh, it was 2003, where I'm laying in my bunk and I'm thinking, I'm like, uh, well, there's got to be something else better that I can do in my life, man. Yeah. Because this isn't going to work right here. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm like, yeah. I, I, re- I got to think, like, you hear all the time that everyone is blessed with a talent. No one, everyone's blessed with some sort of gift. Some I believe that. More gifts than others. Yeah. Um, And I learned that Apparently, what we're supposed to be doing is finding our purpose in life. Um, and once you find that purpose, you're supposed to nurture yes. whatever it is that you're doing. Whatever your gift is, whatever your talent may be, um, you nurture it. And as and as you're nurturing it, you're learning in the process. And you just everything just starts to come together. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds me of this new phase that I seem to be, I feel that I'm going through at the moment. Uh, I'm real big on this, the yin-yang symbol. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's always appealed to me, you know, ever since I was a kid, especially since I was, you know, all into martial arts and things like that. The ninja, yeah. (laughs) But I never really understood the meaning of it. Um, So once I... You know, you know, you get older, and I started doing a little more research about things that I were I was interested in, and and trying to get an understanding why I'm interested in these things. Right. Um. So the yin yang symbol it represents uh, balance. That's right. Everything life is without balance. There is no. Life is balance is key to life, yes. basically. Yes. Uh, for example, a relationship. If there is an equal effort on both parts, there's yes. an imbalance. Yeah, it has to be that give and take has to be in balance. Absolutely. In a in a relationship, for sure. Right. Yeah. And when there is no balance, it's gonna be noticed. One of you most and and this is the woman most of the time. Um, she's going <laughs> to let you know when things are out of balance. And so we all know that when things are out of balance, it doesn't operate the way it should. That's right. That's right. If it's out of balance for too long, it's liable to just break down. Completely. Yes. Yes. And that is very, very real when it comes to a relationship, that balance. And right. over over time, it will destroy that relationship. Absolutely. And that the same rule applies to life in general. You know, the, we need uh, the trees and and grass and all this stuff in order for us to breathe. Right. The air. You know, yeah. if there wasn't any trees here, it wouldn't balance. Right. Our you, you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, yeah. It would be very unhealthy for us. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my favorite stand-up comedians, who's actually an, a very intelligent man, Bill Burr, said that in essence, there's nothing wrong 
with people driving these big gas guzzling SUVs. The problem is, is that it's out of balance so that nature cannot clean the air because there's too many people doing it. So there you have, there you have an imbalance in this world, which is leading to the climate crisis that we have. I think I thought that was a very smart way of putting it. There's not, there's nothing wrong with driving a gas guzzling car or an SUV as long as there's not too many people doing it, so that nature can't handle it. Y- yin and yang, balance. Yep. Right. So, with that being said, having a full understanding of the yin yang symbol, um, I start. And I'm sure a lot of people that know me by now realize I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. Me too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's not because, not just because of his fighting abilities. His mind, his mindset. Exactly. It, it's, it was how he chose to think. Yes, and his way of thinking is what enabled him to do things that were light years ahead of his exactly. time. Exactly. I truly believe that if he didn't have the way of thinking, if he didn't have the philosophical approach to things that he did, he wouldn't have been the fighter that he was. In other words, his right. mental aspects, I believe, were stronger and more significant than his physical abilities. Because his physical abilities, he would have had the discipline to train himself up to that level if he didn't have things right in his mind and in his way of thinking. Exactly. Yep. And if you if you listen to him, he'll tell you he's not anyone that's special. Or he wasn't anyone special. Right. right. He was just a... a, a an average man that was able to channel yes. his inner strength, whatever yes. strength we have be down in there. Yeah. Um, can, we, can you really consider this man a genius though? I think I've there's never a, heard that. Well, I think there's so many different ways to define a genius. I would say when it comes to his philosophical way of he he had a philosophical curiosity towards life and towards the way of thinking and he took it to a new level and I believe it is that act of taking anything to to a new level that encompasses the definition of genius a genius is someone who's doing something that has never been done before so I think in that sense Bruce Lee was a genius absolutely exactly because in my my thing is, what constitutes a genius? How are you, when are you officially considered a genius? Is it when you're the smartest guy in the room, you know something that someone else doesn't? Or do you just simply have to think like one? Well, I think it's a combination because I think there's a lot of people out there with some really amazing thoughts, but they lack the confidence, they lack the ambition, the ambition, uh, or they lack the means to put those thoughts into practical function. So I, I think you have to do both. I, I don't think you can just sit with the thought. I do believe you have to somehow apply that thought to something that is tangible uh, uh, so that you can, because you, you may be sitting there thinking you have some great thoughts, but the minute you try to put them out into practical use, you find out you're really kind of schizophrenic or crazy. And it wasn't a smart thought at all. 
so 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 I, I believe those thoughts have to be tested in a practical sense before they can right. be considered genius. That that's my opinion though. That's just my opinion. And you're exactly right. And you agree with that. Exactly. Yeah. Because which brings me to this. People have to understand that when they decide to thoroughly they thoroughly truly want to change you literally have to reprogram your way of thinking absolutely oh absolutely because i don't think change for an individual can come about if you continue in the same line of thought you have to change your thinking absolutely that's important that's important that's alpha and omega when it comes to change right um, you can uh, have all the right ideas. Yeah. They could be brilliant ideas. Uh, but if you're not confident in making the initial step exactly. to achieve whatever it is that you're trying to do, you've already defeated yourself pretty much. Exactly. Now, I, uh, well, well, yeah, I think a lot of potential geniuses, a lot of poten people who could potentially change the world <laughs> have probably never been noticed, recognized, or, or, or acknowledged simply because they lack the confidence to try their ideas out on the world. I wonder how many right. times that's happened. I don't know, but I bet it has happened. Definitely. Um, I'm living proof. How so? That brings us back to the balance, basically. Yeah. So as I'm laying there trying to figure out what I'm doing in my life, okay, maybe it's writing then. I would have loved to have played professional football. Um, oh, you too. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's the only regret I do have is never really <clears> – <throat> actually pursuing that because I was, you know, kind of, you know, average height. Uh, and I, I just figured there wasn't really a place in football for people my size, but then I got older and then all the, and I was a running back. I was really fast. Um, and then I get older and I see all the best running backs or the smaller guys around my height. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't just about it. <laughs> That's just my luck, you know? <laughs> I was also I was also a running back. I was a, I was a badass running back. I got a full scholarship. Uh, played in Division One NCAA. Um, and because of life circumstances, I ended I, I actually ended up quitting. I, I dropped the scholarship. Ended up quitting. But I was on a path, a pretty pretty definite path, a pretty secured path to uh, playing pro ball. I was I was that good. Gave it up. Awesome, Gave it up though. Awesome. That's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. Maybe maybe we'll get to that during this episode. Maybe not. But that is that's a whole that's a long story right there. But back back to, back to you though. Okay, so so you're in there. You're laying in the bed. You're thinking about balance in your life, and right, what right. you're gonna do. And you're thinking maybe it's this stuff with writing. But mm -hmm. go go ahead. What else? So uh, I decided that I was going to try it. Okay. Because if I if I didn't try, then I would never know. Right. Uh, so instantly, I'm, I don't know, man. It's just like, I knew that once I, if I decided that I was going to commit to writing, then there were other things that I was going to have to commit to as well. Yeah. Like what? Accepting 
criticism. Uh, accepting, you know, the fact that people are not going to believe you sometimes when you, when you tell them what you plan to do. Right. Um, I guess it's something at this magnitude, it, maybe it is a little hard to understand. And I guess I understand where some people may find it hard to believe. Um, well, but what, I would say the people who, I think I know what you mean, like uh, based upon your background, based upon the fact that you were at that time a person who was incarcerated, that if you say you have these hopes of being a writer, a lot of people, for whatever reasons they choose, are going to just say, nah, man, what are you talking about? That's, that ain't you. You can't do that. But I think, yeah. but I think those people, they are just vocalizing a different aspect of the doubt that they have for themselves, but they can't bring themselves to admit it. So they have to put that on you. That's the way, that's the way I interpret doubters. If they, if they want to hate on me and doubt on me, I, th I think it's because they have an issue with themselves that they're afraid to deal with. What, what do you think? I totally agree, man. And, and what you said reminds me of uh, the movie Pursuit of Happiness. Ah, yes. When, I think my favorite, other than, of course, the uh, ending when he finally, when the guy told him he had the job and, uh, you know, gave him, that was, you know, I'm sure that touched a lot of people. Oh, that was a very moving movie, man. That was, uh, I love it. Yeah. Especially knowing it was based on a true story. Right, right. And shout out to Will Smith. That's my, I don't care what nobody say about that guy. I got a lot of respect for Will Smith, man. I have a lot of respect for Will Smith, too. He's one of my favorite actors. Him and Denzel are, are my favorite. Right, Denzel's right. my favorite, and then a, at a very close second is Will Smith. Just uh, right. incredibly talented. Great movies that they've both been in. And, uh, yeah, right. a lot of respect for Will Smith. So it was that one scene that I think was my favorite overall uh, when he was with his son playing basketball. Yeah. And his son was shooting around with the ball and he's, I'm going pro. And, uh, and, uh, where was like, well, I don't want you, uh, getting too, getting your mind basically too caught up in playing pro ball because, you know, basically telling them there's, there's a good chance that you won't make it. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, his son kind of, you know, kind of looked down and threw the ball away. And, he, you know, so Will got to looking at him and he's like, what am I doing? I'm in process of trying to accomplish what seems like being impossible myself. Who yeah. am I to tell my son what he can't do? So he decides to go over there and tell him, uh, don't ever let someone tell you what you can't do. You got a dream. You got to protect it. People want to tell you that you can't do something because they can't do it themselves. Exactly. There you go. Yep. You want something? Go get it. Period. Yeah. Period. Period. Man, that's in, I think I ain't even gonna lie. I think I uh, teared up when I first saw that. <laughs> I did too. I did too. Let's keep that a secret between us. I did too. I teared up. Right, right. I right. did. Right. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, so, you know, and it hit me, of course, uh, so hard because I can relate 100% with them. So, fast forward back to the whole realizing, you know, the writing thing. So, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm going to have to 
uh, accept what comes with the territory. Right. So I began writing. I started the initial uh, story was called Black Tiger. I turned it into gray is pretty much my favorite color. So I turned it to gray tiger. Uh-huh. Um, and just expanded on the story, you know. And as I went along, I, uh, you know, I was finding all types of paper to write on. People have old uh, pieces of paper that they, you know, from court, from the lawyer or whatever they were yeah. using. You know, I'd run a notebook paper if I didn't uh, have the money at the time to get any more. Hey, can I have that? You know, napkins, whatever the case Right, was. right. Whatever you need, whatever you had uh, available at the time. Right. Yeah. Instantly understanding that concept of uh, when you set your mind on something, you really can accomplish anything you want to. Uh, so that being said, I didn't let me not having paper stop me from writing. There you go. <clears throat> so uh, I would get people to... And I would always look for the people that I would see reading all the time. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, that was kind of common sense. And older guys, too, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would let them read what I have, and they would tell me, man, it's awesome, man. You going to finish it? I'm like, yeah. So, you know, it started, the more I heard compliments, it was like everyone I would let read these, you know, uh, few pages I read. Uh-huh. It's like everybody was, uh, like, Thoroughly, they seem to thoroughly enjoy the story. So that was a confidence. That was a confidence booster, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, but then I got the one like somebody's got to be like pulling my leg here, man. Ah, uh, um, here comes the self doubt. The yeah. self doubt is going to overshadow the obvious, uh, the obvious support and obvious compliments that you were getting from others. Right. Um. So. It's all, it was all a learning process. It was sure, all new. sure. Re- reprogramming so, your way of thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So then it came to the point where when I get people to read it, I would tell them, and look, your honest opinion, your, it, it won't, you won't hurt my feelings, it won't be anything. I, right. I need your input, your feedback to help me to better what I'm trying to do. Right, right. I would even go back to the people that read it that told me it was good. I'm like, look, you wasn't lying to me, was you? You know? <laughs> and then I would listen to some of these guys, and you know, was, most of the time it was the older ones. Some were successful in life, but made wrong choices. Some that were in the process or whatever. Whatever the case was, they were people that had the experience to give me the advice they were giving me. Right. Um. So... You know, these guys would tell me, man, like, bro, you, what I've written here on a piece of paper from an inmate is better than some of the books I've gotten from out of the library. Uh-huh. I'm like, man, are you really, like, telling me that I can actually do this? Because I'm, I'm thinking I can, yeah. but I'm just trying to get some reassurance here. Right, right. No, uh, he's like, man, I mean, anybody that you've gotten to read your stuff, I mean, I'm sure, surely, you know, you got it. Cool. So time went on. I kept writing. I ended up meeting a guy, uh, David Hunter. 
of fun when he when he hears this. I'm sure he'll probably be shocked all the hell. But anyway, <laughs> shout out to David Hunter. Yeah, shout out to David Hunter. <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, white guy, pretty cool. Was pretty, you know, he had like it was just some air about him. I don't know. A lot of people really didn't like him. They they thought of him as some cocky, okay, privileged yeah. type of guy, whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know how it came about, but I think he may have asked me. He heard about me writing or something like that, and he asked me if he could check out what I've written so far. Okay. Yeah. Maybe was a little younger than me, so he read it and he enjoyed it. So I think it was when I got that validation finally from someone that was actually younger than me. Right. A different demographic. Right. So then, you know, all the pieces started to slowly form together. Uh-huh. I think my last challenge that I knew I had coming was when I got out of prison. I wasn't going to finish it in prison. Okay. It was, right. you know, I'm just writing all of this from, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I get out and I ended up getting the computer. It was 2005. 2005. Um, I knew that, you know, it took me five years from the time I started the story to the time I finally got it published. I got out. I ended up getting a job uh, doing carpet, carpet installation. And uh I wouldn't write every day like I was supposed to. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how, how how much time per day did you put in? But you didn't write every day. No. No, okay. No one that I was supposed to. Okay. Um, and there wasn't a set time of how long I would write. I, might, I may write for an hour one day. The next day it might be 10 minutes. So it was pretty much just whenever the spirit moved you, just whenever you felt like it was time to write, that's what you did. And you did it for as long as you were motivated to do it. There was no set. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, I had my own place at the time. Uh, so I had plenty of time to write. Yeah. Yeah. But I had so many other things going on. Sure. You sure. Know, so yeah. I had, yeah. Life. Thanks. Life is still going on. Life is still going on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't focus on that right now. I mean, I'll get to it later. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so, fast forward. I, I, but I stuck through it. I, I was going to write a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. In comes Joy. I meet Joy Linsky. And here we go. Joy Linsky. Can, can I just, I, I, I want to give Joy Linsky a shout out. Um, I, I love that woman. I absolutely love that woman. And she may be the best, the best troll that you could find on Facebook. If you step out of line, Miss Joy will get you. <laughs> And I, oh, I, I just, I love it. I absolutely, she's got her own little place up way up there in the mountains, in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, doing her thing. She calls herself what? A Hill William, not a Hillbilly. She's smarter than that. She's a Hill William. I love it. Who, who thinks of something like that? She's a Hill William. <laughs> she never ceases to amaze me, man. Yeah, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to say, I have to sing that woman's praises because she's she she's just amazing. I love her. I love her. I, exactly. You should have seen 
uh, enthusiastic. She's a recluse. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want any attention. None at all. Uh, and that's why she's probably going to cut both of us out after this. Once she hears this, it's all good because people like her deserve recognition yeah. for what she does. Yes. So, with with that being said, I met her through a mutual friend. She enjoys this unassuming white woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I mean, she, to be honest, she looks like a redneck. Yeah, really. she does. You know, She's got she the look. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we instantly clicked, you know. Joy is the person where, you know, you, like you said, where she lives is, you know, yeah. in the mountains and yeah. hillbillies and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because the first time I went there, you see all these flags and stuff. Oh, Trump wait, hold flag. on. Hold on now. Have you been up? You've been up to her place? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm wait a minute. Now, what kind of flags? Tell us what kind of flags did you see going up there? Tell us. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have your rebel flags and your Trump and Pence flags and your... Uh, <laughs> You know, born to be wild and all that stuff. Skulls. <laughs> Troy, I mean, then there's Joy's flag. It's a routine clan flag. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you would never think that uh, this woman, to look at her or to listen to her voice, you would never think she loves the Wu-Tang Clan. But right. this woman is probably the biggest fan of the Wu-Tang Clan. Right. And the reason... I initially, you know, started gaining so much respect for Joy is because of her, her, her strong uh, beliefs. Yes. To say. Prime example: she doesn't, even though she looks the way she does, she doesn't care if she has to lose a childhood friend, yes. or if she doesn't speak to a family member anymore. If she hears if she hears someone disrespecting you or me or some other black person, she's on them. She gets on them. Uh, right. She's probably one of the bravest people I've ever known. Uh, she's right. told me a few things that she's been through and that she's done in the past. And she is the type of person who, if she believes it, she believes it, and she will not bend. She, she sticks to what she thinks is right. And, and, and just a little side note, what joy thinks is right is right because she's got a big heart. She's probably one of the kindest, most big hearted people. But at the same time, if you mess with her, she will, she'll, she'll get you. She will get you. So she, she's a good ally to have. I I love that woman. In fact, I told her. Uh, the next time I and my family come home now, my, my people are up in Ohio, but, uh, I also have people down South. So what we, what we've done sometimes is come into like Orlando, Florida and rent a car and then drive all the way up. And I will swing off an of interstate 81 and swing into Joy's part of, part of town. I, I, I need to see that woman. I need to give her a hug. And I, I don't care about the flags and, and, and all that stuff up in her neighborhood. Cause I know Joy has got my back. So I'm not afraid to go up on that mountaintop there. Right. <laughs> yeah, I kind of joked with her a little bit too. Uh, before I went to a house for the 
I all said, uh, I don't need a, to bring any protection or anything, do it. <laughs> She's like, oh, I can't remember exactly what she said, but whatever it was, uh, I'm sure it was some tune of, uh, I'm pretty much protected while I'm around her. Because uh, pretty much people don't have to mess with Joy. I think people they've learned. I think they've learned. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, 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 they try her because she's this little, sweet yeah. little, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I think her face is red enough by now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I meet her and I told her uh, what I was into. And she was like, well, awesome, you know. Uh, I think she had just published a book. Yeah. And I think she was waiting for copies or something like that. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, around this time when I'm realizing and I decided to dedicate myself to this writing life, uh-huh. uh, I realized that uh, it's kind of, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to... No, that's okay. Because I don't, don't want to say the wrong thing. And it, I had to literally, like... It all comes with the whole... When you when you reprogramming your mind or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm on the street now, so I got more activity going on around me and all that stuff. I'm still in the process of actually solidifying my belief in myself okay. that I can achieve what I set my mind to. Okay, I see. I'm sorry it took so long to really get that out the way I wanted to get it out. No, but that's a deep thought, and that's a deep process. That's a difficult process. You know, I haven't had half of the challenges that you've had, but I'm still, you know, I'm I'm going through my thing trying to, you know, trying to find my path and trying to solidify what kind of a man I am and make any changes that I want to make. I mean, that's a that might be a lifelong process for all we know. So that is a deep thought. Right. I know. I mean, I I feel you, man. It takes a while to get that thought process and then put it out there and speak it in a in a way that's going to be understood for what it is. Right. Yeah. So when you're talking to Joy, you know instantly that she's just got she's just full of uh, you know intelligence and yes. wit and yeah. all this stuff. So when she read my manuscript. And when she gave me her uh, comments about it, it really threw me for a loop because I'm thinking, like, if I can... Okay, the other guys, I'm not discrediting the guys. No, no. But but uh, again, but again, Joy Joy represents a different demographic. Just like the the white gentleman you were talking about, he was a different demographic from the other people that you had been speaking with about your book. And then here right. comes joy with a totally different perspective. So yeah, yeah, you know, and not, and right. one is one is not more important than the other. It's just a different perspective. Right. Yeah. So, and that's what I mean by it was all starting to piece together. Right. You're getting you're getting uh, feedback from different kinds of people, and all of the feedback is positive. So that's t- that's telling you something at that time, right? Right. And 
me, I'm the type of person, I believe in signs now. Yes. Uh, I really do believe in signs. And during that process, that's when I was starting to get into the whole learning how to read my signs. Right. Uh, Joy's response to how she felt about my work was a sign. Um, she said, "I she just point blank period. She thought I had it, so she offered to tell her publishing company about me, and uh, we're going from there." Yeah. So now, what what year company, was this? What year was this roughly? This was two thousand. I met Joy around uh, two thousand six or seven. Okay. The book was actually published in 2008. Okay. So I published the book with the company. Um, the company, I ended up terminating my contract, unfortunately, in 2012. Oh, okay. Uh, but once I published the book, you know, and I got my copy in the mail and everything. and That must have been exciting. Uh, it was, man. You get that and copy in your hands, and it's like, here it is. This is my work. I I did this. Right. Yeah. And it was a, a testament to, that was when I knew that I could do anything I put my mind to. There you go. As long as I thoroughly focus on what I want to do. Right. Um, there may be some distractions or whatever the case may be, but as long as you keep your... Your uh, your eye on the big picture. Uh, right. What was it? What was the name of that book again? It's called Gray Tiger, Volume One. Gray Tiger, Volume One. Yeah. Yeah. G R E Y. Yes. Um, and it was you know available. I mean, you can still find it online. On Amazon, uh, maybe. Or Amazon, you'll see it on there, but it will say out of stock. Okay. Um, which is the way I it should be right now because I was going having some issues with them still with Amazon still popping up with copies to sell and some of these other stores, okay. but I'm not getting paid for it. Oh, that um, that's uh, that's another black another, mark. On, that's another black mark on Amazon. Right. That's kind of underhanded. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, <clears throat> uh, there's nothing against Amazon. I'm going to put that out there. Uh, okay. nothing personal against Amazon. It's the com the publishing company because they were a POD uh, company. Okay. Um, okay. And they were, and you know what? People need to know the company's name. It used to be Publish America. Yeah. But they've sometime or another changed their names to Star Publishing. So, for any of you that's uh, you know writing and, and considering publishing, whatever the case may be, steer clear of Star Publishing. They're ripoffs, basically. They're ripoffs. They try to sell your works without paying you. <laughs> exactly. Huh. Um, and then they try to beat people in the head, man. They, I have a I have a screenshot still of uh, 
a book that they put on Amazon for seventy four ninety five. A book I mean, for seventy four ninety five. Yes, I mean you can't blow my head up that big. Now. What is, what is it? What is it? An original copy of the Bible or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think Stephen King's. Uh, I don't think. No. <laughs> I don't think Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have written anything that can go for seventy four ninety five. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna shove that to the side for okay, now. Yeah. Because Let's keep that. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it positive. We'll keep it positive. Right. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to republish uh, the Gray Tiger. Book. Okay. Good. Good. Have you got? Have uh, you? I'm sorry, have you figured out what, what publishing company you're going to go with? Or are you going to self-publish? Or I've been told a lot about Amazon that they were uh, that they, you know, they've gotten some pretty good reviews from people that's published with them and fair with the royalties and uh, yeah, yeah. so I'm considering them um, That's actually yeah, the way I'm going to no, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to self-publish. Okay. I think yeah. you can self-publish with them. Yeah, and that's thing. that's what I was going to say. When I come with mine, uh, I'm working on, on, on something at the moment, too. And when I come with it, I'm just going to bypass. I just don't want to deal with all of that finding a publisher. My plan is to self-publish through Amazon. Uh, you know, basically, Amazon takes their their... I don't know what do you call it? administrative cut, you know, uh, but ev- ev- other than that, everything is, is, is mine and it'll be print on demand. So I don't have to worry about that. You know, um, gotcha. I've done a lot of research on that. It seems like that is the easiest way to go. You may be missing something in the sense that if you get a good publishing deal with a big time publisher, you know, they'll do a lot of promotion for you, but, but, I, I I don't know. I, I I'm the same way with my music when it comes to just having control. I would just rather put it out myself. That's right. the way that's the way I'm thinking now. That might change, but that's the way I'm thinking now. You know, to break into the to that world of writing, I think the first the first go around I'm just gonna self publish through Amazon. Hey, there you go, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um It won't be with Star Publishing anyway. I know that. <laughs> I know that now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's a start. If we can help anyone, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, trust me, that's a big help right there. Yeah. Uh, then this was, of course, before I was all uh, big on Google. If I had done my research, I would have realized that there were a lot of unsatisfied customers and right. so on and so forth. Uh, anyway, back to the situation at hand. Uh, once I published that book, I had it in my hand and I'm looking at it. it just I just didn't have that uh that fulfilling satisfaction that I was hoping to get. Really, what what was missing? I, I couldn't figure it out. I, I just don't know, man. It's like, huh. uh, and I didn't like that. It was, do I need to write another one? Oh, uh, I didn't even give this book a chance to even try to sell any right. copies yet. Right. I just received the book, you know. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was crying all excited and <laughs> running in circles around and <laughs> hugging all her, you know. Uh-huh. I'm staying there thinking like, this can't be, this is something ain't right. Right. Um, but yet to a lot of people, 
uh, that's apparently quite a feat to accomplish. And so it is. And it is. It is. You you see that, don't you? That that is a big right. It, you know, it, right. Not, not everybody can do that. There's a lot of people who want to be writers, but very few of them actually do it. Okay, and I think so. I believe that. So, and that's that. And but yet, I still wasn't. Still didn't. Uh, no. No. So. Uh, so you know, it, it took a few days, whatever the case may be. And uh, there was a one point, man, where uh, it was just bothering me for, you know, for I can't actually recall how long, but apparently it had been somewhere around two thousand nine. Uh huh. No, it, it didn't. It wasn't apparently. It was two thousand nine. Okay. Um. So it kind of dawned on me, like it was kind of cool to create this story that I wrote right? and to actually see people. Cause I didn't, what I did, you know, sometimes I would peek at people that were reading to see if they were uh, like thoroughly engaged in the story. Okay. Or they yeah. Were looking around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when I was guys like just glued to the pages, it made me feel good. Um, uh, because I, it, it, it reminded me that I could actually, I actually had the power, uh, the gift to create stories yeah. from out of nowhere and actually entertain people. Um, so that, you know, that stuck me. So I'm like, okay, well, apparently I, uh, I have a, a knack for entertaining people. Yeah. Right. I love movies. Ah, maybe that's it. Uh, I'm, you know, always wanted to try acting and stuff like that. So I tried, I auditioned for a couple of movies. A lot of people don't know about that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Where did you, where did you go to, to do those auditions? Was it, was it, was it there locally in Virginia or? Uh, no, they were in, uh, one was in Greensboro and one was Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Greensboro, North Carolina, and Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, Greensboro, I went down there, paid someone, I didn't have my car at the time, paid someone $50 in gas. It was actually around my birthday. Okay. Um, so that was my birthday present to myself was to get the gut to go down and try for this movie. What kind of a movie uh, was it? Was it a... I, I, I think it was some sort of uh, kingpin type of movie or something. Okay, yeah. It was called one thing at the time, but they had to change the something minds, but they okay. had to change the original. Uh, it was two words. They changed the first word out of. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, whatever legal reasons. And what kind of role was it you were auditioning for? It was <laughs> the uh, one was for uh, <laughs> the the drug dealer, the actual kingpin. Uh, one was for his right hand man. Okay. Uh, one was for some character who had gotten his leg cut off uh, <laughs> while his girlfriend was sitting there screaming and crying and stuff. Okay. And man, let me tell you, when I walked in that room <laughs> and you know, I look and you see the producers and 
and everybody sitting at this one table and there's mirrors on around every you know all okay. around the other three walls yeah yeah and there's people sitting around in a big circle you know uh waiting to audition men women all <laughs> it was uh i almost walked back out of that room really really yeah it's a pr- pretty intimidating <laughs> sight huh yeah <laughs> and I, I realized instantly that them people are serious like the, the people that are auditioning they were serious about that stuff if you were there and you were just uh you know you you try out for a role and you just playing around with it and he you just yeah just like get this guy out of here so we can get somebody in here that's really trying to be an actor type uh, of thing right right i try to keep that in mind so I, you know, so no embarrassment, no, you know, you got this. So when was my time to audition for these roles? One of them was me in the car talking to some lady, and eventually I had to push her out of the car. Once my right hand man shot her through the back seat. Um, I did the scene where uh, I got my leg cut off. I had to scream, and 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 I like it was kind of awkward. Um, my issue I learned afterwards was after I do my shot, my scene, I would start looking around at the producers or whatever the case may be and looking at the other actor like, okay, let me see how they're going to do their role now. Right, right. Instead of staying in character. Oh. Know? Um, Rookie so, mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so we don't, we didn't find out if we were uh, accepted for the roles or whatever the case may be until a couple of days later, they emailed you or called you or whatever. Um, and they emailed me and said, uh, they appreciate me coming all the way out there. And I had a good performance, but uh, the only issue they had was me not staying in character. Okay. So next time they were uh, back in town, they wanted me to come back out and try again. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, went to Richmond, tried out for that situation. They called me back, asking me if I could come out to Houston for some uh, uh, expo, whatever the case, uh-huh. uh, and do some things in front of cameras, in front of, uh, uh, you know, execs from producers and execs from uh, uh, Paramount and wow, Universal and all these yeah, places. The big dogs. But I had to pay for my own room and board while I was there for a week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if I get picked up by one of these companies, then they would pay my fees from that point on until further notice, whatever the case may have been. Okay. I just kind of, I brushed it off. Yeah. I, I was done with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that must have been exciting, so, though, to get that call back, you know, and get asked yeah, to go, well, yeah, you know. Um, so, like, I just, that's pushed to the back of my mind. Yeah, um, yeah. So, if I ever did get into acting again, at least I know what not to do. Which is sure, fair. yeah. L- like live that. and learn. Live and learn, yeah. Right. <laughs> a, um, a rookie mistake is a rookie mistake. And when you're not a rookie, you don't make those mistakes anymore. So, 
Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. So, like I said, I, I, by that time, I got really strong into believing in my signs and stuff like that. Right. So, I'm like, that's a whole thing is the acting. Or maybe I'm just not going hard enough with the acting. So I'm like, huh, maybe it's the, I don't know what made the idea pop in my head. It was something I seen on TV. And uh, I said, maybe I should try writing a movie. So I looked it up, and the format wasn't the same. It was less writing. Right. But, uh, and it's, uh, it, and less detail by far. Uh, to give people an, uh, an example of what I mean, one page of a of a movie script uh-huh. equals roughly around one minute or so of film. One page of a movie script equals one minute of actual film. Right. Oh, hold on one so, second. My my wife is bringing me some water here. I gotta. Oh no, no problem, man. That's a. Uh, she awesome. Make sure that you taking care of while you do your thing. <laughs> and she's just as fine as she wants to be over here blushing and being all shy. But uh, thank you, That's Snoopy. Awesome. Thank you, Snoopy. I call her Snoopy. <laughs> Cute. Oh. Okay, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all good, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, okay, so one, one page one page of of text for, for, for a um, uh, for, for writing for film uh, equals, would you say, one minute of? Of film. Okay. Huh. Take Interesting. A couple seconds. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, you got a hundred and twenty. You got you have a hundred and twenty pages. That's a. Uh, That's a uh, film. Hundred twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Two hour film. Yeah. Um. Now a book, one hundred and twenty pages. That's all you consider a novel. Right. Right. Big difference. difference. <laughs> Big difference. So. You know, I'm, I'm having this so-called this stuff in, and I try writing in the format initially with a word before I get to the actual, um, before I get to medic to actually writing a movie, I first had to believe that I could do it. Back to the mindset, back to that mental work that has to be in place before the actuality can happen. Right. So it's like I had to not really start all over with it, but I kind of had to modify it a little bit. It was a new thought process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because, okay, I've done what I thought and what a lot of people thought that I couldn't do already. So all I need to do is take what I've done already and incorporate it into what I've I have now figured out what I really want to do with my life. I have so so the book so the book writing was something you wanted to do, but again, when you finished it and when you had the actual book in your hands, you didn't feel that satisfaction that you thought you would. But now, writing a screenplay is bringing you a different level of satisfaction. Did you feel that right away? Yeah. Okay, right away. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And, and, and then it all started making sense because I love movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, growing up, that's all we did when we were, you know, my mom loved movies. We all sit down. And, sure. Yeah. You know. Um, 
So it started clicking. Now back to the for a second, back to the, the signs thing. It just so happens to I, one day I was stressing about something. I can't remember what it was, and I was sitting in this area. Uh, some building, I can't remember exactly what building it was. I'm sitting there all by myself, and uh, I'm thinking, like, man, I need some sort of. I'm trying to get a home, trying to hone my skills in or yeah. recognizing my, my signs, you know. I'm like, I need some like, I need something to happen, man. Just, I'm just not, you know, I was stressing going through a lot of the time. And uh, it just so happened, I swear to you, man. <laughs> I, I look over at the table the whole time I'm thinking about this. I keep glancing at a, a little booklet sitting on, you know, one of the far tables. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm definitely not in the mood to read right now. Um, so I'm looking at the TV and something came on. There was a, maybe a, a trailer for a movie or something like that. And um, shortly after that, there was something about writing. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it came yeah. right on after the trailer for the movie that I, I had this uh, a weird fascination with. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I look back at the thing. I, I'm trying to put it together. Movie, then writing. So I, I, I said, man, let me try something real quick. I, <laughs> I, I, got up and, I went over and looked at the booklet, and it was a, a, a play written by... Uh, 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 I think it may, it may have been a, a Shakespeare play. Okay, yeah. It's like a play. So I started, you know, turning through the pages, and I noticed the 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 format of the play uh-huh. is very similar to the format of a screenplay. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at reading it. I'm like, man, this is like pretty easy, really. This is before I even thought of looking up on the internet. Right. To see, you know. Yeah, no um, No real research. Yeah. This this information is kind of just falling in your hands right in front of you. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking through it and stuff, and uh, I'm like, this is it. That's when I realized. You knew it. That's my sign. You knew it. Right. Looking at that book and looking at how the format was gave me my, that, uh, Com- the confidence I needed, right, right, to know that I can do this. This is nothing right here. It's less words. Okay, so then it set in. Where does that where 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 does that lack of confidence come from? Where did it is it did did it come from the time where you were incarcerated, or was it from a time in your life before that? What is it that put that sense of uh, self-doubt in you? You've overcome that now, obviously, but but at, at one point it was something that you struggled with. Where's, where does that struggle come from? I guess that's a deep question. Type. Now you gotta now you gotta dig a little. Yeah. Now you gotta dig deep. Now we're now we're squeezing the heart a little bit. <laughs> right. I got. I'm trying to keep in mind there's no editing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey. You know. And again, don't don't. You know. You don't have to put anything out there that you don't want to. But, you know, I'm I'm just curious. I'm I'm sitting here fascinated by what you're telling me as I think about <clears throat> about your background and how how you face that struggle because again being incarcerated has to be for a black man, especially 
uh, the, uh, you know, when we look at facts and figures and statistics, it, it has to be one of the greatest challenges that you could ever have uh, when it comes to changing your life and being successful. Um, so, so I'm, I'm sitting here just <laughs> so impressed and in awe listening to your story about how you came from that to, to sitting here talking with me today, today about what you're, about what we're talking about. So, so if I ask you questions that are digging a little bit deep, man, Hey, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to answer if it's, if it's, if it's too personal, I, I get that. I do understand. Got you, man. Okay. Um, well, you know, growing up, uh, the way I did, I'm not saying I had a horrible childhood or anything like that. Right. Um, but you know, you're around certain areas throughout your life where things like this doesn't really seem possible for people like us. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I get it. Absolutely. For, for starters, we already have, uh, we already have a, a, a challenge to, that's, what's the best, we're already the underdog anyway, yes. because we're black. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, these neighborhoods that we grow up in, we just don't see a lot of, you know, the only, the, the, the success we saw was the big time drug dealers and. Yeah. Um, when we seen successful people on TV, right, right. Was poverty uh, was poverty an issue? I've dealt with it at times. Yeah, there's okay. been some uh, struggles. Um, but you know, my mother. I went to live with her when I was ten. Okay, my actual mother and my two sisters, and uh, you know, there was struggle. Um. I moved around a lot, but she, even though she didn't have the uh, the room necessary to accept me in, um, because I, I, a lot of people don't understand either. It, it's hard the relationship because I grew up with the family I grew up with. You know, yeah, it was at first kind of hard for me to adjust to my mom being my mom. Okay. Understand. Um, I understand. So, I, you know, I had to adjust to that. And then, but I wanted it. I wanted to know what it was like to be in that household with my sisters and you yeah. know, all that stuff. And it got on my nerves really quick because yeah. my sisters, we, you know, we were, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love them. And that's what brothers and sisters do. We sure. Get into it. Sure. Sure. Um, so everything really just kind of fell together naturally. So I guess what I was getting at is I got to give a shout out to my mom, Cora Taylor, for being the strong woman that she is and and struggling the way she struggled. Shout out to Miss Cora uh, Taylor. Yes. Um, and she's still hanging in there. You know, she just retired recently. Now oh. I, I'm still showing what to do with herself now. How, how, old, um, how old is she? My mom, uh, she... Uh-oh, you're going to get in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know her age exactly. 60-something? 60-something? 
I'm pretty sure it was like early 60s. Say, say 60 something. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping she doesn't hear this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Did I'm I just get you in trouble? Oh, man, I just got you in trouble, man. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just so many other things going on. Sure, you know, sure. It's hard to keep up with. Sure. You know, I, forget so my, I, I forget my mother's age all the time. She's, she's 73, but sometimes I got to stop and think. 70, 72, yeah, but 73. So it's, it's not easy to keep <laughs> up with that. How, how old are you? I'm forty. You're forty. Wow, yeah. I, I remember. I remember forty, way back when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, so 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 so, throughout your 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 childhood, throughout your upbringing, and then of course in the period when you were incarcerated, there's there's going to be things that happen that kind of tear on a brother's self confidence. So could it be just the sum, the the accumulation of all of that adversary, uh, adver- adversity? Sorry, all of that adversity that did something to your level of self confidence, and made um, it into something that you actually had to work with to get the confidence to believe in yourself and believe that you could write a book first, and then believe that you could start writing a screenplay second of all. I think it was kind of a mixture. Yeah. Um. Because I also had to remember who and where I came from. Yes. The my DNA, like my family, isn't known to be quitters. Okay. So I had to keep that in mind first and foremost. Yeah. Family so honor. My up, right. <clears throat> so my upbringing kind of sealed the whole. I can't quit. It's not yeah. in yeah. me to quit. Right. I have to keep going. Um. So yeah, it's, it, you know, there's a combination of all this stuff, and uh, I read somewhere that people, the what I was saying earlier, people when they, everyone has a gift. Yeah. It's our jobs. It's our duty to figure out what that gift is. Yes. And once we do, we nurture it. Yes. And it is so simple. They said it's very simple how you'll uh, how you'll come to understand what your gift is. It's when people praise you for what you do. Well, there you go. It kind of goes back to what you're saying about uh, um, learning how to read the signs that are laid out before you. If you read those signs, it is going to lead you toward your natural. Uh, you know what you are naturally supposed to do to achieve things through life. In other words, your your talent is going to lead you exactly. to your talent. Yeah, and part of that exactly. is getting feedback from people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that simple. And you know, it, it, it's most usually something that you enjoy doing. You just never thought that you would actually be able to make a living doing it. Right, right. First, you're in it for the fun of it. You're in it for the self-fulfillment, right? Right. And I call it just an extra blessing if I'm able to do what I love to do, but it also brings me an income. That's just an extra blessing. But, of course, we need that extra blessing. We got to have money to make it through life. Right. Ah, man. So, uh... It's uh, I, I, I gotta admit, it's it's a very draining process. Well, 
I think that all art, and I'll call writing an art, you know, just like music is an art, uh, you know, um, just like, you know, painting, drawing, sculpting, that's an art. But I, I consider writing an art. And I think that people who engage in the arts, it demands a higher level of <laughs> It, it, it demands a certain amount of concentration. It demands a certain amount of creativity, of course. And it demands all of these higher plane brain things that put a physical toll on your body. It is tiring. Right. It's physically tiring to do those things. Right. Uh, but you know, you know that you have to stick with it or give up. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where the, the strength starts right. to, you know, you start to get stronger. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you, you know, you, you start to accept. Here's where the balance thing comes in again. You start to accept the fact that you're going to struggle regardless. It's just part of the process you're not just going to get from here to your destination free of charge. Right. Right. It takes its toll. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. There has to be a balance because you've been through what you've been through. So you know what to be at the bottom for you to thoroughly appreciate what I have stored for you here at this destination. Yeah. You have to, know before you get here that you're going to have to appreciate what I have waiting for you. Exactly. No. So, so let me go back now to the, you know, you're, you're writing this, you're writing this screenplay. You're, you're writing something that you want to turn into a movie. Uh, now, how far, uh, when was it when you, when you started that you started it and you said you felt almost right away that this was, this was your true calling. And when mm-hmm. was that? How long ago was that? 2009. 2009. Uh, so how far did you get on that original screenplay? Uh, I wrote a story on notebook paper. Uh, I met a guy who, uh, me and my girlfriend split up. I moved in with a friend that helped me get a job where they were working. A uh, restaurant called McAdoo's downtown Warner. Um and the guy his name is Mitch he I told him what I was trying to do and he was one of those guys that you knew instantly believed in what you were trying to do yeah and he believed uh so much that he let me borrow his laptop ah. so I can start typing my stuff up okay um so I, I did that and I started trying to do it in word format and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. Took some time, but finally so what I did, my first screenplay is based on my book. Okay, yeah. So uh, that's you know I'm I'm, I'm instantly uh realizing you know how you watch a movie and you read the book and then you watch the movie and you're like, man, yeah. this is they you know, this is nothing <laughs> like the book. Right, it's right. Not but I understand why, though. Uh, the book is long, is bigger. So 
the screenplay, you can't have a 400-something page screenplay. Gotcha. Like you said, one page equals roughly one minute of screen time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be surprised. You can take one page, and it might take you eight hours to get through one page, one minute. Wow! Of wow! Oh man! Yeah. Now, I'm sitting here I thinking. Of, I'm sitting here thinking of some of the Stephen King books. Stephen King is my absolute favorite author, and I have yet to see a movie that does his books justice. Because I guess you're right. Yeah, you you you're almost forced to come a little bit away from that original storyline when you're going to turn a book into a uh, in, in, into a film. Right. Because you don't need to describe every detail. Exactly. Of the People will see it in the film. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless a particular piece of furniture is important to the story. Right. Right. Uh, you don't have to describe what they're wearing all the time. Right. Uh, people will see it, yeah. You don't have to... And people miss that whole... People like... When people are reading books, they like the idea of being inside someone else's head and what they're thinking and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. You're not writing all the thoughts and all that stuff when you're writing a movie. Right, right. Uh, so, a so, play is basically... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry go go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. The screenplay is, for the most part, basically a blueprint for the director. I see. I see. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I haven't been thinking about that. You know, you have you have the screenwriter, but then you have a director who has to interpret that. And there may be an interpretation that kind of comes away from what the original writer had in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's so... I learned really quick that they are very particular how you write your screenplay as far as the format. And when I was writing this screenplay, it looked perfect, lined up perfect, everything. Uh I thought it did. (laughs) But once I started like sending it to a few people, they're like, man, the, the, the formatting is, is off. And I'm like, why do people keep telling me that? It looks perfect. (laughs) Yeah. What was it they were looking for? What was it they were looking for as far as the format? Well, your your dialogue, you know, you have your your character name and then what they're saying under that. Right. That the character name has to be over a certain amount of inches. The what Uh, they're saying has to be over a certain amount of inches. How are you supposed to? How do you find that out? I mean, that's not something you can just Google, can you? Or, how, or, or can you? Maybe you can. How do you find out I exactly what? I didn't know at the time I could. <laughs> but you can actually do that. If I were to Google, how, how what, what format should I, or what does a proper screenplay format look like? Enter, and then boom, uh, and then it'll come up. Is that basically doable like that to figure out how to do it? I'm thinking about an average Joe or average John <laughs> who's sitting at home <laughs> and may, and may want to write a screenplay. How do they do it and do it right? Cause I would imagine having the wrong format might close a few doors before you even really get through that door. As, as soon as they see that formats off, maybe they're thinking, Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's unprofessional. And then they're not going to work with you. Right. Yeah. I had to, that comes down to the whole accepting uh, what yes. comes with the territory? Yeah, yeah. The uh, man, I read that Stephen King was turned down thirty something times before that one person decided to give him a chance. Yeah, 
Yeah, Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. Reading stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and just a whole, you know, just I, I was just preparing myself. It was almost like I was preparing myself for battle, almost. Oh it's yeah. Be a fight yeah. To get to where I'm going. Let's let's talk let's talk about that fight for a second. So you write this screenplay for Grey Tiger. Uh and now you have to shop it around. Mm-hmm. Now you need to 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 present this to people who can actually make something happen from it. Talk to me about that. Was that a struggle uh and were you successful with with shopping it around? Did you get anywhere with it? Talk about um, the struggle of it first. Yes, it was definitely a struggle. Yeah. Um, after, you know, three, four, five times going back thinking that I got the formatting correct, um, I realized that I needed actual software, screenwriting software. Okay. So it's not, you, you need more than Microsoft Word, in other words. They have specific programs for screenwriting format? Right. Okay. It makes it a whole lot easier for you. I see. Um and what it does is it automatically formats the screenplay for you. Okay. That's good. So know. you don't have to worry about doing all the extra tapping and this and yeah. that. You just keep flowing right. with the story. Because Microsoft Word, I mean, if you're just using it to write, uh, you know, to write a, a letter to your to your child's school or something like that. Microsoft Word is easy, but when you have to start trying to click in indentations and paragraphs and do this, that, and the other with Microsoft Word, man, it's uh, to, you know, you, it, it's, it's not all it's not all that easy anymore. So that's good for right. people to know then that you can actually get software. I didn't know that that you could actually buy software to uh, to get a screenplay uh, a screenwriting uh, format. You could probably buy software to write a book for regular you know uh if you're going to put a book up on kindle on on amazon or something like that there's probably software for that as well i would think right most probably. likely probably uh, yeah. preferably to write a book you will probably most likely want to use uh microsoft word okay yeah, yeah. Um, that has all the functions that you need okay yeah so you um, so you you're you're out there and well well let, let me back up a second uh how how do you shop a screenplay? How do you who do you send it to, and how do you figure out who to send it to? Man, uh, they say it's almost impossible to get into the industry without an agent or a manager. Yeah. Uh, I had to keep that in mind too. So what I did, I found free because you got to pay for that software, of course. Uh. So I found some free software that allowed me to do enough that I needed to, you know. Yeah. So once I finally got this formatting correct, uh, I decided I decided I wanted to try to bypass the agents and managers because a lot of times Smart they move. won't. Smart move, I yeah, think. Yeah. They because a lot of times they won't take on a new client, a new writer, unless you have some sort of credibility. Right. Right. Well, hold on. How do you get that credibility if nobody will take you on if you don't have credibility? Exactly. (laughs) Well, well, apparently they're telling me that I need it. If I want to get something done, I need to get it done myself. Um, So with that being said, I found out that Virginia Virginia has a screenplay competition that goes on uh, every year. So for free. 
So, and just so happens, actually, uh, Vince Gilligan, the guy that wrote, uh, that created Breaking Bad. That's it. it Vince Gilligan. Yeah. Yeah. He won that, uh, or that he won a screenwriting competition there one year and well, the rest is history with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, um, so I sent it to this competition, uh, didn't do so well the first time, uh, they told me, they, they said when you don't win, they send you an email and tell you, unfortunately, such such. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then they tell you, uh, perhaps working on your craft and uh, submit it next year. Good luck. Okay. Yeah. That's what I did. I submitted that year. Now, how many screenplays were you competing against? Do you know how many were submitted altogether? I think hundreds. Okay. Just a few hundred. Okay. Yeah. Um, just people from the Virginia, you know, area. Uh, so the second time I sent it, I got another, I got a letter this time saying, uh, same screenplay, think, same screenplay now that you submitted. Same screenplay, okay. but yeah. I, I've worked on it within right. that time and then right. the following year, sent right. it back. Right. So in this time, I was reading screenplays online, maybe like a, you know, read a little bit of life of yeah. how they did with the comedy. I read a little bit of a, a Fast and Furious screenplay, see how they did some action right. scenes, and, you know, right. like that. Yeah. And uh, so I sent, uh, you know, so I re-entered the screenplay, and then I got this letter back from a judge. And it said uh, it, there was a letter in there, and then there was uh, a, a manila envelope with a copy of my script inside. And the judge, now, <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to get him into any trouble because apparently he wasn't supposed to do this. Oh, okay. Which was just another sign for me. Another sign. Uh, so what he did was he sent me a letter telling me what he thought of the story. He thought it was uh, a great idea, original. Um, and if I took a little more time to make some corrections, he think he sees uh, something. So I forgot the word he used. But he sees a po- a positive outcome. Yeah, pretty much. Interesting. So, well, that's got to be a good lift. It, it was yeah. um, the fact that someone gave me so much detail and he, he actually explained everything that he liked about the story and, you know, interesting. And yeah. And so, and then he, and then there was a, a Miller envelope with the script in there. And then on the script were the places that he wanted me to correct. Right. Right. I made all the corrections, but I've never, I haven't, I've yet to send that screenplay back out to the to the competition yet. What's keeping you from doing it? Because a lot of other things involving film actually started to happen for me, which caused me to kind of just say, I'll, I'll get back to this. I, I feel like it's ready, but I'm going to get back to that. So later. you had some bigger and better opportunities that fell across your path. I wouldn't say bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I ended up 
getting locked up again. I was violated because I was on probation oh. the whole time now. Now, what year, what year is this now when you got violated? I was violated in 2012. 2012. Yes, 2012. Um, so, and during this time, now, keep in mind, I had my girlfriend at the time, Erica Cooper, good girl. I got to give it to her. She's, you know, something else. A handful, but for the most part, what woman isn't. Sorry, ladies. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she, I was in jail, and she was actually, she had actually sent the script out for me. Oh. And when I got my response, she mailed it in to me. Well, it sounds like you had a real queen right there. Uh, we'll get to we'll, we'll she's 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 really we'll we'll get to that good. we'll get to we're that. Okay. <laughs> oops, oops. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh. I wish I was editing for this show. <laughs> Anyway, right we'll talk, we'll talk afterwards. We'll talk afterwards. Far <laughs> being real, right? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. so yeah, she did this for me. Um, and by the time I got out, while well, I went to prison, so I read this letter and I read the the uh, his the feedback script. and and yeah, all this stuff. I got sent off to prison where I met uh Josh. Josh is, uh, I'm one of them people, man. I'm already in this horrible atmosphere that I'm in. I'm one of them people I try to, I, I tend to navigate if I'm going to deal with anybody at all. Yeah. I tend to navigate towards the people that I feel like I can at least learn something from. Sure. Yeah. So Josh, uh, Joshua Jones is his name. This dude is like, uh, 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 he reminds me of Kane. He's like maybe six, seven, six, eight type of deal. Yeah. Uh, and he's like a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> so I gravitated towards him because, sure. you know, I feel like I can learn something from this guy. And uh, 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 apparently he felt some sort of connection with me as well. So we clicked instantly. And this guy has so much knowledge about movies more than I did. And I was into, you know, I'm, hold on, you have no interest, you know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so I was like surprised what I was knowledge this dude had. But anyway, he was the one that pretty much convinced me to write a short story, a short film. Okay. Like, Man, there's no money in that, really. A short, a short film or a short story as in book a short he's i think he, he may have mentioned short story but he may have okay. said short film i can't remember exactly okay okay but whatever the case because i had already set my mind on being a film writer if i wrote a short story it was going to become a, a right screenplay anyway right right uh, which is exactly what happened <laughs> okay yeah i actually still have the uh the paper of the the, my short film that got uh, produced. Um, okay, so that short, actually, so that short film did get produced, right? Man, you gotta tell me that story. 
So what happened was when he told me this, actually, it took me a couple of days to actually listen to him. So I decided to give it a try. I wrote a story called uh, A Reckoning. A Reckoning. Right. Uh, it's about a... The, the theme of the movie is about bullying, really. I'm sorry, but it's about what? It's about what? Bullying. Bullying, okay. Right. I just kind of put a, a supernatural twist onto it. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, where the bullies kind of, I don't know if getting what they deserve would be considered cruel or not. Okay. <laughs> but you get the gist. Of yeah. Now, 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 when you say short film, how what's the length of this film? Uh, from my understanding, when you enter a short script screenplay uh, into a contest or a festival, whatever the case, they don't want it to be no more than fifteen minutes. Okay. Which means for uh, for the actual script, it's fifteen pages. Right. So, but it can be five minutes. It can be five pages. Okay. Yeah. So I guess 15 minutes, they feel like it's enough time for them to, to determine whether you have what it takes or not. I see. Yeah, I see. That being said, uh, I decided to take Josh's advice. And keep in mind, Josh knows uh, is an awesome artist, man. Speaking of which, I'm talking to him right now and trying to see if he's committed to being my artist for... Okay. And I think I want to turn the Great Tiger series into uh, animation as well. Wow! So, uh, so the Great Tiger is a series. Then you've had volume. It's going to be. You had vol. Let me see if I wrote that down right. You 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 called it Great Tiger Volume One. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, how many volumes do you think there will be in the end? I don't want it to be no more than three. Okay. I've already wrote up the draft for the second installment. Wow. I still want noble paper, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. something, but, but I will get back to you it. You will get back to it. You 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 have right. a storyline in your mind, and you will get that out, right? Right. Okay. But then, just, uh, but then A Reckoning is its own little thing. It's its own short film. Or is right. that going to be expanded? It, it depends on, you know, some producer, someone may see it inside. They may want to kind of expand okay. on it. You never know. But A Reckoning is published now, right? Can people find that somewhere? Where? It's out. Well, you can find the trailer, um, teaser slash trailer on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, shows A Reckoning. The film was made by Arch Films, uh, directed by Carlos Hagney. How, how do you spell that? H uh, a g e n e. H a g e n e. Carlos. Director. Yeah, I'm just writing all this stuff down. I want to make sure people get this information. When I post this episode, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll probably be talking to you when we're finished here, uh, uh, doing this this recording. Uh, and, and I'll get some information. I want to make, make sure people can see your work and see what you've done. That's so awesome, man. I appreciate I'll it. get links and everything, man. I'm going to spread the word about you. I, this, this is exciting. I mean, you're, you're, I feel like I'm sitting in a movie. I feel like I'm reading a book, you know, the, you, you're, you're <laughs> just going down and telling your story on down the line, man. I love it. Yeah. So, so a uh, reckoning was, 
I, I, my, my, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted. You, you have, I, I'm almost at a loss for words and that's not good when you're a podcast host, you can't be at a loss for words. You, you, you were incarcerated a certain number of years. You get out. There was a parole violation. You go back in. But in spite of all of that adversity, you still stay focused on the task at hand. You are still focused on being a writer and you're going to produce, you're going to get your work in. Did you ever lose hope? For example, when you got violated and you're incarcerated again, did you lose hope? Or did you know that in spite of that, you were still going to get your work done? I think at that point, I had already had said in my mind that I figured out what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Okay. Uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and apparently when, when you're making steps towards your purpose, you realize that no matter what happens, you're going to make it to your destination one oh, yes. way or another. Because oh, yeah. it's made for you. Yes. As long as you're making the effort to get there. Um, with that being said, I looked at me getting incarcerated again as another opportunity to strengthen myself in general. What a beautiful concept. Hold on. I want you to say that again, or can I just repeat what I just heard? You get incarcerated again and you look at it as an opportunity to strengthen yourself and find even more resolve to achieve what you want to achieve. That is, that's, that's a beautiful statement. I don't think I've ever oh, heard. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything like that. That speaks. Well, that speaks to your focus, and that speaks to your. You recognize what your calling is. Your calling was not to be incarcerated. That's just part of your journey. Your calling was to be a writer and a public, a published uh, screenplay writer, a published author. And that's just beautiful. That's just beautiful because a lot of people look at that whole thing, that big block of adversity, which is incarceration. And they pretty much look at that as the end of their productive life. But you didn't. That's that's beautiful. I'm I'm sorry, man. That's just, that's beautiful. That is. Thank you, man. uh, (laughs) I really do appreciate that. That that comes from the heart. That's real talk right there, man. That is a beautiful, beautiful way of looking at that situation. Um, And, of course, I'm not thinking about that at the time. (laughs) No, you know. But feel it now. Feel it now because that is beautiful. That, That has to be such an incredible obstacle, and yet you didn't lose hope. You didn't lose focus you were going to get done what you were going to get done. That's, that's, that's beautiful. So you have, you have, um, you have gray tiger volume one, uh, that had been written, that had been published. Then you come out with a reckoning, which was a screenplay for a short film that got published. Um, what, what year did that get published? Uh, a reckoning was premiered, 2017 in uh, St. Louis. 2017. Yeah, they actually premiered it in a theater, actually. Okay. 
So then you have one published book, you have one uh, screenplay for that, you know, in relation to that book, you've gotten feedback from, from one of the fat cats that know what they're doing. And then you actually get uh, the short film published, produced uh, of a reckoning. What else did you have going on at the time? What else have you produced since then? Or what have you been working on since 2017? Well, during that time, while uh, a reckoning was in development or pre-production, uh, and I actually sold the script, I sold the rights to the script. The rights to a reckoning. To a reckoning. Okay. Right. I kept, you know, as long as I got my credits as um, the writer. Yeah. Um, you know, once you sell. Uh, uh, screenplay to the director, producer, whoever, it's considered, regardless, when a director's on set, it's considered that director's movie. Yes. You yes. know, it's not considered the writers or anything, but, right. you know, the, as long as the writer gets their credit. Sure. With their, sure. You know. Um, so, with that being said, uh, so, while that was going on, I ended up, some guy reached out to me. I guess once I started posting and networking with people, I learned that networking was very important. Yes. Uh, so I started networking with people, and I really blew this, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, this guy, the director slash producer, uh, humanitarian, he's, he's got like six, ten different titles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he contacted me in my inbox, man, and he asked me if uh, if I would be willing to uh, call him at a certain time. I said, sure, what's this about? He said, uh, writing. I said, cool. Huh. So we ended up talking, and he asked me if I could write a screenplay for him. How long ago uh, was this? This was in 2017. Okay, right around the reckoning, right around then. Right. Yeah. Um, so he asked you to write a screenplay for him. Right. And as a ghostwriter, pretty much. I see. So he brings me out there, uh, you know, pays for uh, uh, room and board and everything. They take me out. And where, where, where did he, where, where did you travel to go see him? Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Um, it was cool. Is it? And uh, keep in mind, when you're when you got to the point to where you have decided to lock on to what you're going to do or what you're going to accomplish, you start visualizing what you're going to be doing when you get to that point. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I used to visualize uh, a director or producer wanting to pay my way to come out there to write or something like that. Yeah, you know, and so it, it didn't really hit me until I got there and I'm alone. Once they set me up in the room and everything, and I set my laptop up and I sit down. Oh like, man, I, this is what I've been thinking. This about. is it, yeah. Right. So don't freeze up now because you know what you got to do to get the work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> let me let right, me ask you, know. you let, let me ask you how did this man find out about you? I don't know. Wow. I honestly don't know. I never wow. bothered to ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So what happened then? You're up there in Louisville. 
And so I get to writing. He would call me over the phone and tell me ideas that he had for scenes. And I would basically go in and it was basically like he would give me the foundation of the story. And I would okay. fill in everything else. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sucked me actually because the average time, so to speak, is around nine, uh, 90 days to complete a feature screenplay. Three months. Okay. I finished a feature screenplay in less than a week. Good Lord. Huh. And, that's pro- that's that with was, no rewrite then, I would guess. Yeah, that was yeah, they didn't we didn't do any uh rewrites. Wow. That's amazing. Now this script, however, was for this particular director's friend who was a producer. Okay. In Cuba. In Cuba. So the script I was writing was about some Cubans and their escape from the country to America. Right, right. So it was about the journey. It sure, was a, yeah. You know, the so majority of the story took, takes place on a raft out there in the ocean. Wow, wow. So I'm like, oh man, I'm very limited here because I got I to gotta make some serious interesting dialogue go on. Yeah. And some serious uh, interesting flashbacks because... I don't really have too much to work with here to, you know, make this make to make this whole someone's attention for a whole hour and thirty minutes. Whatever right, it is. right. Uh, apparently, I <laughs> I managed to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that screenplay, I I. I I'm, I'm kind of fighting with myself right now, to be honest with you, because I'm kind. It's it's a bittersweet situation I'm dealing with right now with, in regards to that screenplay. Yeah, how's that? Because I was never paid for it. I, I got <sighs> I got you know the spoils and stuff while I was there. Right. Uh, I got a little bit of money to put in my pocket, but my percentage for writing the script comes yeah. out of the budget, the actual budget of the film. Okay. Gotcha. So according to, from what I was told, like time, it went by time went on and went back home. I, for this guy, I was to start on another uh, movie script uh, immediately, pretty much. Uh-huh. And it, and it, it had to be award-winning quality. It had to be a powerful film. Right, right. Yeah. And this is, okay, this is a lot of pressure, especially considering I haven't received my money yet from the first one. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you approach that situation? I didn't know how to deal with it accordingly because it was the first time, it was my first time experiencing what I've heard about so often that goes on in the industry. Right. But because I had so much respect for this guy and he treated me like family, you know, he brought me to his house and introduced me to his kids. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't think of this guy as that type of person. I mean, right. Right. So, um, I'm still, so I'm still fighting with myself with that right now. And it just so happens. Canon films, they call me. Uh, around this time, 
uh, where I had just expressed to him, the guy I was writing, working for on the side, that I'm not really feeling too enthused right now to make this screenplay on writing as good as you want it to be. Yeah. When I'm kind of, you know, needing some puns here. Right, right. Um, and so he, I said, look, if you, if, if you can't find those one, all, everything was put on his partner, you know? So I'm like, and there was nothing he could do. So I'm like, okay, right, well, right. you might, you may have to just write it. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do it. Yeah. So pretty much, uh, Canon films they called. I sent something to the CEO of Canon. And um, he had called around that time and asked me if I would like to. Uh, he liked what I had sent. This and, is still back in 2017, right? Right. Okay. Yep. So I get some. I'm, try, I'm trying not to drag this story off so long. No, man. no, man. This is this is great. This is absolutely great. Okay. So Canon contacts me. Ken, Gabriel is the CEO of Canon. Uh, Canon used to be a huge company back in the days, uh, 60s, okay. 70s, 80s. Okay. Uh, they, they were known for movies like Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. Death Wish and some Sylvester Stallone films. And, you know, uh, so, you know, I grew up on a lot of that stuff. Sure. Bloodsport, man, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I saw, I saw that movie, like, I could sit and watch that movie, like, Two and three, four times a day back then. Right, yeah. right. I, I loved it. Yeah. So um, he asked me if I would be uh, interested in writing a ninja film for him. Ah, uh, full circle back to the ninja stuff from the childhood. Exactly. How about that? <laughs> and just so happens that it that it that it was a remake of my favorite ninja film that I didn't know this company made. What, what what film was that? It was, it's called uh, Ninja Three: The Domination. Okay. Uh, needless to say, uh, due to certain circumstances, the film never came to fruition. So, uh, but it was still exciting, nonetheless, to know that this was brought to me, and that was just another confirmation that this is what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Because you didn't go to, you you didn't go to Canon films. They came to you. Well, actually there was someone that had posted someone on Facebook. I don't think she was supposed to have done it. Okay. She said the Canon films had just came, uh, was just reemerging basically. Okay. Uh, Gabriel inherited the company from his uncle. So, uh, yeah, and she sent. She said that, and I and I came across the post, and I instantly inboxed her. It was like, what type of talent are you looking for? So on and so forth. And I said, I'm a writer, and she said, Well, here's his email. Okay. Uh, okay. And so that's that, how I'll I see. about that. So how does uh, it? Like, what What happens when you write a script? Um, you know, a, a film company asks you to write a script. You write a script, but then nothing happens with the movie. The movie never gets produced. Do you as a writer get any kind of compensation at all for that script? Well, actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned that. I just spoke to him. To be clear, I'm no longer uh, signed with Canon Films. No. Uh, But 
I do. I don't want to. I still wish them much, much success, and I hope yeah. that you know Gabriel, you know, gets things where he wants it to be. Yeah. Um. And with that being said, you know that script that I wrote, I called him one day and asked him, you know, being that I wrote the script and I we both know or feel that it's a good script. How about if I, you know, give me the authority to, if I just so happen to come across someone that will want to pick it up, yeah, then you know, if there's some way we can work out some sort of, yeah, you know, and they were uh, they were pretty good about that. So, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's just a thought um, that dropped in my head. What happens then with that script if nothing happens with the movie and, and you've put the work in and you've written the script uh, 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 maybe by request of, you know, of that, that, that film company, if there is any right. way that you still get compensated even, even though there is no movie. What the heck was that? Something. <laughs> no, I'm in my studio, and uh, I think somebody drove by real fast on a motorcycle. Almost scared the living daylights out of me. You hear that loud roar from a motorcycle all of a sudden. Okay, man, you could have seen your face just now. <laughs> did I? Did I look like a coward? <laughs> because that's how I felt. No. I just about jumped out of my skin. It's that all... was more. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um, so, uh, okay. So Canon films, um, you had submitted a script, uh, nothing happened with that. Uh, what happened next? Uh, so of course there's a lot of things that I'm forced to kind of leave out because it's such a long story and so much goes on. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but while I was with Canon, you know, I had to learn some things, uh, as I went along, you know, I was, it was just a, I would imagine so because yeah, because again, you're not a guy who's, you, you haven't been to film school. You haven't been to any kind of uh, school uh, to learn how to write. You know, you're, you're just a guy with a, well, not just, but you are a guy with a dream, with a vision and you're making things happen. So I would assume there's a lot of learning as you go. It's kind of like me with this podcast. You know, I don't have any background in uh, or education in, in journalism or, or, or broadcasting. So a lot of this stuff I have to learn as I learn it, you know, learn it as I, as I go. I'm sure it's the same. It's been the same f uh, for you with, um, you know, with screenwriting and, and just being a writer in general. Pretty much, man. Uh, Cause everything I had to teach myself anyway. Uh, there's some, sir, some things I think I was kind of prepped for, in my earlier years, um, for example, I've, uh, I tried out the uh, whole, I was 18, tried out the whole salesman thing where you travel around the country yeah. uh, selling magazines and stuff. Needless to say, it didn't last too long. It lasted about three months because I just wasn't, the. I never made my quota. It's supposed to sell eight. Uh, magazines a day to you uh -huh. know, actually make any type of money. Uh -huh. My my high was about three or four. Okay. However, I did learn a lot from that experience. Because um, you have to go out there. They put you out there on these, you know, on T is what they call it in these neighborhoods. Yeah. T stands for territory. Territory. Yeah. Um, they just drop you off and. 
good luck. You know, if you, if you want to eat, you better still have some money from yesterday. Uh, if you don't, you better get. Uh, it's kind of like do or die. Yeah. You better get one of these customers to offer you food or drink if you get hungry, if you have no money type of thing. <laughs> and you're out there from morning until like 11 o'clock at night. So, uh, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to picture that. I don't think I would have had the patience to do that. So hats off to anybody who has done that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was something that's for sure. He said he, he, uh, was right when he told me one thing. Can, can I ask, can I ask you to hold on for just one second? Hold on for one no second. Problem. What's up, Snoop? You know, I think I need it. Can you hook me up? Mm-hmm. All them biscuits and I ain't got no gravy. <laughs> See, I say things. I say things like that to my wife. She is um, as Norwegian as they come. So I say things like that, and, and and after 20 years of being married, she's kind of starting to understand those things to where she'll yeah. blush now. Before, she would just look at me and throw her hands up, but now she'll blush right. a little bit because she knows what I'm getting at. So I've been, I've, been, I've been teasing her for 20 years, so I'm finally, awesome. re- <coughs> I'm finally getting the benefits of that. Awesome, man. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I, I had to. Had to. It's all uh, good, man. Um, I had to talk to her for a second. There. No, so um, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, just pick up where you where you were. I'm trying to remember exactly where I was. <laughs> I'm, a te- I'm a terrible podcast host. I quit. I quit. Hey, man. <laughs> um, well, I know where you're going. Okay, so we want Canon. Um, you know, so through and learning in the as I go along. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which put me so instead of being a contractor to write this one movie he decided to sign me on as a, an official employee a, a so, staff writer kind of pretty much but instead I decided to take some initiative and do a little more than just writing okay hence where the the thing where the selling the magazines and all that stuff came in because it taught me how to uh greet people and how to talk to people. Right. Um, which prepped me for being able to network with people. Right. Right. Cause before I wasn't too much of a social type person. I wasn't really, you know. Yeah. And, and being in this business, you have to be able to pitch something. You have to be able to market it and sell it, you know? Right. And you have to be able to, Communicate with people that's in the same field that you're in or trying to get in. Um, it's that whole, uh, it reminds me of that whole, you ever heard, if you want to be something, you have to hang, be around people that's doing that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a form of mentoring. You have to have a mentor. You have to have someone who kind of shows you. Uh, shows you the way to where you want to be. You know, someone that you can you can feed off of in a way. Right. Um, so with that being said, I started using Facebook to network with people and finding these film groups and uh, join Stage Thirty Two and. Uh, What's that? Stage Thirty Two. It's a networking uh, site for uh, 
creative individuals, uh, whether it's film, music, writing, directing, whatever the okay. case. Is that like a social media group on uh, on Facebook or it's, something? Or It's almost it's social media. I mean, they, Stage 32, they've become very uh, successful with what they're doing. And, you know, you can find them on Facebook and, uh, you know, places like that. But it's, I don't know if I can call it a social. I mean, yeah. This is it's definitely a social networking yeah. site. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what I was thinking. I'm thinking like, no, it's not Facebook. It's you know, but yeah, it's definitely <laughs> social network. <laughs> but but it's but it's a it's a gathering for people who are interested in that form of art. Right. Yeah. People that, at all levels. You got people yeah. that's aspiring to do something. Uh, you got people that's maybe um Maybe my situation, maybe uh, emerging. Right, right. Uh, you have established people that's on there. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about networking, trying to get your your you know your network together. So hopefully you can there's someone that can help you mm-hmm. to achieve or to get further to your goal. Right. And in turn, maybe you can help the next person that you that that you've been networking with. Yeah. And you know you just kind of that's what that's why it's I, I can't stress networking with people enough. You have to if you're a rapper, a singer, music, whatever, you have to associate yourself with people that's doing that type yes. of stuff. Yes. Yes. Cuz they're the ones that's most likely going to have some sort of answer for you. This that somebody that can point you in the right direction. If yeah. this person can't then they know this person who know that person that might right. be, you know. Um, well, there's a lot so of value. Anyway. There's a lot of value in networking. There's a lot of value in putting yourself out there, and and um, you know it, it opens doors. Simply put, right. it opens doors. And then you gotta know how to approach people also, because you gotta keep in mind these people are being approached by countless people yeah. on a daily basis. So you have to find a way to stand out that you're not just another face, one of those hundreds of faces that they meet every day. You've got to do something to stand out. So how did, right. so how did, uh, you know, this thing that you did, you know, selling magazines and whatnot, how did that, how did you, how were you able to apply, uh, those skills to further your current career? Learning how to talk to people and yeah. getting, learning how to initially greet people, you know, when you, especially people, you know, sometimes people are skeptical of you when they first sure. meet you. And, sure. You know, in my, in my case, I have to learn because we are, you know, the color of our skin, we have to learn to, we don't have to learn it if you, yeah. if you want someone to feel, initially feel a comfortable, uh, initially you feel comfortable when they first meet you, I'll just simply smile at them. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. That instantly kind of breaks the, the little... Right. That preconceived notion of what you are supposed to be. And yeah. Yeah. Right. So they're more apt to talk to you. And then once they talk to you a little bit, they see how you talk to them. Um, so you're not just some little thug yes out here to do something bad to me right right so i had to learn how to talk and so that prepped me right so you know doing all these different 
the uh, door, the people's doors I'm knocking on, and so many different personalities. And often, man, I'm not even allowed to. <laughs> often, sometimes people would invite me in, and I would sit there and watch movies with them. Really? Yeah, they offer me drinks and offer me, you know, because I knew that people would tell me, hey, man, you're you're not gonna have any luck around here. Ain't nobody gonna." Uh, because they would drop us off in black neighborhoods, and most okay. of the neighborhoods were like ghetto. Right, know. right. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> sometimes, you know, the day would go on, and I get to talk to someone, and then they'll genuinely, uh, uh, I guess, like me or whatever the case may be. So they'll invite me right. to come, you know. Um, so, yeah, man. So, anyway... So that helped me with the being able to talk to people and being able to approach people yeah. uh, the right way. Right, right. So, yeah, so, uh, 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 so that helped me basically. I kind of stumbled into the whole producing category. Now, do you th- do, you, do uh, you enjoy the producing aspect of all of this more than you do the actual writing aspect? I can't say if I do it if I enjoy it more. But I do enjoy the fact that I am able to uh, to do something that I've always, even though I'm a writer, I still would like to have more involvement in the film industry. I see. Um, yeah. So being a producer, it is kind of cool to be able to um you know, make some other things happen behind the scenes. Right. Like financing, financing, maybe some influence on what kind of, um, you know, if it gets to the point of production, you might have some influence on who the actors or the director right. is going to be, things like that. Right. I may be able to help. A little bit more control. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I don't like, I'm tired of working for someone else. That's, I just don't. It's like the older I get, the more it's starting to bother me. <laughs> I, I I feel you. I feel you. There's nothing worse than having a boss. I I shouldn't right. say I shouldn't say that because there's some genuinely good and talented uh, leaders out there in in the work world. But but uh, I would much rather I I prefer working for myself. <laughs> to speak for me, yeah. I, I prefer working for myself. So I feel you on that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, being a producer kind of gives me that freedom to, you know, a lot of it, which I'm kind of cool with it, but it gets a little, it gets a little frustrating, of course. Uh, but you know, I'm, a, I'm on my phone a whole lot. Yeah. So I'm having to net because I'm having to network with these people and having to do this and that because I'm not out there in LA at the moment. It's a lot of telephone, a lot of Skype meetings, I would imagine, things like that. Yeah. 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 Or Zoom or whatever. Um, Right, mm. but I'm continue to be re- reassured that I am definitely in the right place and I'm on the right path. Because considering the fact, I guess you can officially say that I've been a part of the film industry once my script was acquired from me. Right, right. Uh, 2015 so officially I've only been in the film industry for five years yeah yeah uh, and of course it's a definite uh, it's, a, it's definitely a slow process 
Um, Where do you see yourself in another five years? A successful screenwriter slash producer slash author. Now, what's it mean to be a successful screenwriter to you? Well, I know everyone has their own idea of success. Right, exactly. Mine is just simply, I don't need to have multi-million dollar bank accounts or anything. I just need to be comfortable. I need for my three grown daughters uh-huh. and my grandkids to be comfortable. So, um, so I just need enough to know that that when I'm gone, that my kids and my grandkids are going to be able to, they're going to have something to be proud of me about. They're going to be able to share right. stories with their friends or whatever the case is. My dad or my granddad accomplished this. You know, yeah. he went through it, but look what he was able to do. Yeah. Um, so that's what it's all about for me, man. And me personally, personally, as long as I can have me a little uh, 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 theater in my house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a little small, little modest little thing fit six people maybe in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I when I can sit in my writing room and look out and see a body of water, I don't care if it's the ocean or a lake. I just need to see a body of water. That because <laughs> it's relaxing. That has become so important to me. Now I grew up in uh, rural Ohio, and there was no large bodies of water. I guess you could. We could drive up to Lake Erie if we wanted to, but that was a bit of a drive. It was a ways away. And when I came here to Norway, and uh, we, ha- we have two homes. The one home we have is in a city that's right by the ocean. And then the other home that we have, right. which is like our, our summer home way up north, uh, our property is right on, it's on an island actually, so it's right there on the ocean. And for the rest of my oh, days, man. I will never be far away from the ocean. I have to have that. It's that. It's the smells, it's the sound, it's the special kind of wildlife that comes with it. Man, I, 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 cannot, do with, I cannot do without the ocean ever again. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That setting that you just described to me, that's... That's ideal right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I consider myself fortunate. I consider myself very, very blessed to be living the way I do. Uh, but for those who are listening, the key to that is marry up. Make sure your woman is better than you. <laughs> if you do that, <laughs> you do that, you're going to be all right. Marry up, do not marry down. <laughs> <laughs> so for me to keep in mind as well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, um, so now, now what, what do you have in the mix right now? Um, you know, you had these things happening in 2017. Now we go to 2018, 2019, and now it's 2020. What's in the mix for you now? Do you have anything right around the corner that's about to come out? Are you working on anything currently writing wise, whether it's a book or a, or a, or a script? There's a few things, a few projects in work right now. Uh, one of them, I was fortunate enough to get brought on as a, an associate producer on an upcoming comedy film called Blazed and Amused. Um, Blazed movie. and Amused? Yes. Blazed Written and-, and directed by uh, Mark Hawkins, a.k.a. DJ Clientele. Aha. Uh-huh. Now that DJ guy knows, Clientel. that guy knows people. 
As 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 Richard Pryor's character Mudbone used to say, I know peepers. That guy knows <laughs> that guy knows a few people, does he not? Yeah, he's uh, got a pretty impressive background from uh growing up with Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and all them guys right. to uh having uh a museum built out there in LA, uh where actually he was awarded a plaque for the museum. I think the museum is the first museum to pay tribute to uh, old school hip hop artists. Okay. People like Curtis Blow and LL Cool J yeah. and NWA. So Man, speak. you're making me homesick. So, <laughs> so, so a guy um, like that, knowing the people that he knows, that right there is a great marketing aspect, right? Just knowing people is going to push that product, you know, this film. Um, yeah, man. It's better, it's better to know people than to not know people, in other words. You know, we were talking about network a while ago. Networking a, little, right. a while ago. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, you know, uh, when things didn't work out with Canon, he kind of remembered and recognized while I was there that I was uh, I wasn't slacking. I, w- I wouldn't think that I was slacking. You know, I learned how to I had to put together film proposals. Right. Uh, right there, right then and there. And you know, those things are <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen what a film proposal looks like. Uh, but if you get one done in a week, you done that's pretty good. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, things like that and uh just you know, trying to find uh People that had just completed films that needed distribution. Okay. Because um, Canon was is a distribution company as well, so I was trying to you know lock in deals that way. Right, and, right. Um, editing people's scripts if need be. So you um, were, you had a multifaceted job. It wasn't just one thing. You kind of had right. you kind of had a foot in in a few different doorways. Right. That's exciting. That's that's what <laughs> you you probably weren't bored. <laughs> I would imagine no, no, you had really. I would imagine you felt well stimulated and you had more than enough to do, I would imagine. Yeah, I started to it started getting to the point like now where I have to live uh by taking notes so I don't forget anything. Okay, yeah. Having to adjust to people's uh, different time zones and everything like right now. <laughs> yeah, you got, yeah. <laughs> we 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 were a little back and forth about the time and all that stuff. So man, I I feel you on that with the time zones. Yeah. Right. So, uh, blazed blazed and amused is the name of the film. Right now, do you have a release date? Uh, no release date at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, I can't give all the can't disclose with so much information at the moment. That is so cool. Um, I like asking questions you know, where people answer me. This is the second time today that I asked a guest a question and they said, I'm sorry, I'm not at liberty to speak on that or something to right. that effect. I love it. Now I'm a good podcast host again. I, I was doubting, <laughs> doubting myself for a while there, but now I'm back. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I would imagine there's some legal aspects, maybe some ownership rights, you know, but when a film isn't released, you know, you can't reveal too much about the storyline and and, and things like that. I would guess it has a little bit to do with that and, 
you know, financing issues and whatnot. But the film is, right. is it uh, is it uh, is it something that we can expect to see within the next calendar year? I would assume so. If I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is the plan is to start back filming around spring of next year. If I'm not mistaken, okay. Um. So when it yeah, comes to but, when it comes to budgeting uh, a film, um, how flexible is a film company on? You know, if they say, "Okay, uh, uh, nice to meet you, John Allen. You want to make a film on the story of your life? Um, we'll give you a ten million dollar budget to make that film." Well, what 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 happens if in the process of making that film, the I'm assuming it would be the director who would maybe make some choices and then find out that hey, we need another five million dollars to make this film. How flexible are these film companies when it comes to things like that? To be honest with you, uh, I can't give you a definite answer on that. Does it, it probably uh, varies from project to project, maybe? Yes. Um, I haven't dealt with many film uh, financing companies at all, really, until recently. Okay. So I really don't. I have, man, I've, excuse me, I pitched one idea to, which was the Ninja film, to a guy who I was introduced to by a good friend named uh, Martin Jeffrey, actually. He's a public figure. Around here, in Virginia, he actually just ran for mayor, um, and he's been a, a, a real—he's been a big help to me. He's uh, a really good guy. Um, unfortunately, he didn't win the candidacy to be mayor, but he should have definitely. Uh, this guy would give money out of his own pocket to help someone. Really. Um, that kind of guy, huh? I'm a witness to it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so shout out to Martin Jeffrey. Um, but he, I can't remember, I can't remember if it was he or someone else. But regardless, I was introduced to someone that was pitching the Ninja film to, uh-huh. and the budget was at the time only like maybe $2 million for the for the Ninja film. Uh-huh, yeah. But... This guy was like, uh, you know, the film, the project sounds kind of interesting, but to be honest with you, man, I really don't invest in projects that's no less than 50 million. (laughs) Well, (laughs) as my mom, as my mom, as my mom says, well, (laughs) well, (laughs) so I'm thinking, I'm thinking that they had no problem. All we have to do is. Readjust the who gets paid what, yeah, <laughs> you know. So simple. And that, yeah, and now we can add some special effects that we thought we were gonna have to take out of the film if need be, you know. Yeah. Uh, get be able to get certain actors, but it didn't work out well. Uh, so that didn't go through. But uh, yeah, so it it just depends on the type of. Okay. A potential investor you're dealing with. Okay. Yeah. To get back to your initial question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's just um, it just sounds like a constant whirlwind of 
activity and planning and adjustment and creative creativity. Um, do you ever feel burnt out? Or, yeah, or, I do now. I'm beyond do you. you really? Do you? Yes. Huh. I'm uh, mentally exhausted, man. Wow. Well, that makes me even more thankful that you took the time to do this podcast. There's no problem at all. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, I didn't mind doing. I've turned. I've turned down two interviews in the past, but really, why? Well, for one, I didn't think that I was ready for that yet. Okay. Uh, two, they just didn't. Their podcast and your podcast, yours stands out. Yours have more, to me, more meaning, more, uh, for example, this interview is supposed, the theme is supposed to be about inspiration. Yes. You know, we want to inspire people to, and motivate them to know that no matter how rough your life is, or, you know, what type of obstacles you go through, how much you're hurt, whatever the case may be, you can still do what you want to do. You just have to take that first step. You can't be afraid to fail or get rejected because it's part of the process. I can say just amen to that. That is, that is just perfectly stated. Perfectly stated. Absolutely. Man, it's a, <laughs> you're something else, man. You, 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 you are something else. You really, truly have inspired me. I, like I told you earlier, I knew a little bit about your background, a little bit that, that uh, Joy had told me, and then a little bit you had talked about on the telephone. But throughout this conversation, you've just been dropping, you know, uh, uh, these little <laughs> these little bombs. It's like, wow, did he really do that? You know, oh, wow, he, w- he used to be incarcerated in, in any way. He still did this. And what he was incar- incarcerated again, but he still is doing this. It's just, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, man. There's no problem at all, man. If I can help somebody, then it's th- all worth it. I think you. I think you will help. I, I know that somebody is going to hear this podcast. Uh, they're going to hear your testimony about your path uh, to where you are now, and they will be inspired. They can't help but be inspired. That's going to happen for a lot of people who listen to this. I know it. I know it. Awesome. That's what it's all about, man. Um, and speaking of which, I have a. Uh, a, a good friend I grew up with named Keith Simon. Yeah. Uh, I felt it necessary to give him a shout out because uh, Keith, like he's uh, he's to me, I think he's a special case for the simple fact. It's not too often where you see someone that goes from the street life and make a complete one eighty change. Yeah. In the opposite direction, like full speed ahead, yeah. and now he's a minister. He's a minister. Okay. At uh, Perfecting Unity Church on uh, in Roanoke, Virginia. Wow. And that's, he's that's... like full. Huh? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And he's just like, apparently, he, he hit that moment in his life where he he instantly knew what it was he's supposed to be doing. And yeah. once he headed the right path, it all just opened up for him. Man, that's beautiful. Quickly. See, that, yeah, and those, so I, those are the kind of life stories I like, man. The, the people who, who all, all of a sudden, they just know what's right for them and they do it. 
no questions. They right. just do it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, for, for you to, to be where you are, um, in this world of art and, and, it, and it's a challenging, you know, I can only imagine the challenges you have. I mean, not everybody can write a script and then not everybody who writes a script actually gets something done with it. And I think a lot of people want to write books, uh, but not everybody who wants to write a, a book does write a book. And then not right. everybody who does write a book actually gets it published. So for right. you, you, you have just, uh, throughout your path, throughout your life path, it just seems like, man, you just, you're just getting it done, period. Regardless of what's happening, you're just getting it done. It's, uh, I can, I'll say that uh, I'm not, even though I'm not where I want to be. But you're on your way. Right. I, I, and, I, and I feel it coming. It's, yeah. you know, you know when you're doing what you are meant to be doing. Um, and that kind of, when we had a realization, it's kind of a comfort to know that, okay, I'm sure I'm going to go through some sort of struggle today or yeah. tomorrow, whatever it is. Yeah. But um, you realize that you're going to get over it because you have a mission to accomplish. If yeah. it's the Lord's will, uh, for those who choose to believe or whatever, yeah. I'm not trying to. You know. No, no, that's okay. Hey, man, I had a I had a podcast episode with a guy who is a follower of Taoism, which is a form of Buddhism, and we talked for four hours. And I don't know any. Wow. I don't know the slightest thing about Buddhism or Taoism. So right. hey, if anybody wants to give some praise to to, to God and, and 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 speak on there. Their spirituality. This is the place to do it. I'm open for. I'm open for that. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um. Also, being that I'm, I'm more of a spiritual guy. Spiritual, yes. Right. I do believe. In well, you're in the right power. place. Well, you're you're in the right place then. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So with that being said, I I know when you know that you're in the right place, and you know that you are going to get to your destination. You kind of embrace. It's kind of almost like the whole adaptation situation. Yeah, you got these obstacles and all these problems coming at you. Is if you're either going to buckle, run, yep. or you you got to toughen up and adapt to what's coming and adjust accordingly. Adjust accordingly. Absolutely. There's you know life demands that we are flexible. And if we resist that, then we resist our ultimate self. I truly believe that. You've got to be flexible. Mm -hmm. You've got to see the changes when they come, and you have to adapt to it. Exactly, man. But, hey, Antoine Taylor, man, I I have enjoyed this. Uh, again, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this. Um, I, hope, uh, I hope you were able to get something out of it uh, because I, I definitely did. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to well, say, man. Thank you so much for doing this. It's no problem, man. I appreciate you uh, being interested in my story. I am. And, um, so I guess I'll leave off with uh, all I can do is keep pushing. Like I said, uh, I hope I've motivated or inspired one person, at least somebody. Uh, and all I can do is just Keep 
doing what I'm doing and, and wish for the best. Well, I'm, I'm for, yeah, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go right ahead. Um, um, in my 2021 is from my understanding supposed to be my year. 2021. Now, perhaps I'll get back into it. That all deals with the whole astrology numbers and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know that's going to just drag it on out more. So I'll maybe say that perhaps <laughs> if we, uh, if we talk again through another interview or something, let's let's put it this way. Uh, I definitely want to ha- want to have you back, um, and 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 do another episode with you. I have so many more things I want to talk with you about. So many more things I want to I want to ask you. Uh, but I do have a wife <laughs> who needs a little little bit of attention, or or maybe it's just me missing her. But no, I do, no. I do, I I need to I need to step into the family, so I'm gonna have to cut this short. Man, we've been talking for in ten seconds, it will be two hours and forty minutes. So this was uh, yeah, we put some totally. time in today. <laughs> Definitely, man. Um, but I, I will appreciate. It. I know you gotta get to your wife, man. But I will be I will be asking you back on. Uh, uh, there's more to your story. I know it and, and and i'd love to hear it um uh, but i've appreciated over the last two and a half hours or so getting to know you better and miss joy was quite correct when she said i would enjoy talking with you because i did <laughs> also i appreciate that man yeah. thank you bro i'll talk to you i hope we talk to you again soon well, i'm you sure will. i'll talk to you before absolutely absolutely hey we, we 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 have a brotherhood going now i call you brother and i don't say that lightly so we will be talking again my brother Absolutely. I appreciate that, my brother. Antoine Taylor, everybody. Bye now. Thank you and goodbye.